The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., What's up, Buffalo Fanatics? Josh Allen here. Just wanted to say, uh, go Bills. Oh, baby. <laughs> what is up, Buffalo Fanatics? Z-Bot here with you. Monday night, live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. It can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break. So good to have you in off of this Thanksgiving weekend, and I'm feeling better than ever. Apologies again for last week. I was a bit under the weather, but tonight I'm back to 100%, and I'm ready to rock out with you because we are entering December, and that, of course, for the Buffalo Bills means they are entering into an AFC East gauntlet. The toughest, most crucial chunk of the season begins in just a few short days as the Bills head to Gillette Stadium, which is now essentially Josh Allen Stadium. He is now the face of Gillette. And the Bills and Josh Allen will be heading to Foxborough to take on the New England Patriots for the first time this season and begin the first of three AFC East games throughout the month of December. A lot of incredibly good football in front of us and a lot of crucial games upon us when it comes to not only the AFC East and those standings, but the overall AFC standings as they stand today. Good stuff. Can't wait to dive all into it. We're going to be talking a lot about those three coming games, uh, in particular the New England Patriots game, which is just a few short days away. Jam-packed show for you tonight here on the Smoke Break. My main man, Rev Rhodes, Buffalo Fanatics' very own. He'll be joining me in just a little bit here throughout the show to give his thoughts on what we saw during Thanksgiving, what we saw over the weekend, throughout the NFL slate in Week 12. And then, of course, we're going to preview the upcoming month of December, including that New England Patriots game. And then, unfortunately, the thigh doc, he'll, will, he will be joining us tonight as well. You know I always bring him on when there's injury updates to be had, and we just had a couple more added to the list, most notably Von Miller, 
who was carted off in the Thanksgiving matchup against the Detroit Lions. And we are kind of in the dark right now as to what the situation is surrounding Von Miller. We know at least he will be out for this coming game, probably the following game after that. But we do not know if he needs surgery. We do not know exactly how much time he will be missing but he will be missing time nonetheless. We just hope and pray that we have Von Miller back for the playoffs because ultimately that is what matters the most. But a big loss for the Buffalo Bills and a big win this past Thursday. I hope everybody here enjoyed their Thanksgiving. I hope it was a great holiday for all of you within Bills Mafia and perhaps those Patriot fans who might be tuning in tonight. I hope you guys had a terrific Thanksgiving as well. Might not have been as good as the one that the Bills Mafia had. The Patriots lose to the Minnesota Vikings uh, in the late night slot of Thanksgiving. And the Bills get the W in the early slot, 1230 p.m. slot against those Detroit Lions. So speaking of that Thanksgiving, if you're anything like me, I think my conclusion that I came to after that Bills game on Thanksgiving was this. I love the fact that the Bills played on Thanksgiving. It gives the whole world an opportunity to tune in and watch uh, the Packers or excuse me, the Giants Cowboys game, for instance, that was the most viewed regular season NFL game in history. And the bills weren't all that far behind a lot of non bills fans, a lot of casual football fans got to see what the bills have at their disposal on Thanksgiving. And I absolutely love that uh, D rally coming in. Another great point as to why, it's not bad watching the Bills and Josh Allen on Thanksgiving. Josh Allen is now 3-0 and on Thanksgiving. He beat the Cowboys his first time out. He beat the Saints last year, and now they get the W over the Lions in 2022. But if you're like me, you enjoyed the game, you enjoyed the victory, you enjoyed the holiday, but I think the ultimate conclusion I came to, I do not want the Buffalo Bills playing on Thanksgiving anymore, and here's why. I was down at the girlfriend's house for Thanksgiving, so I'm not in my comfort zone. And my comfort zone is this. Me, my dad, my mom sitting there as well, but she usually just kind of lets us do our thing. But my mom's a huge Bills fan, don't get me wrong, but me and my dad are psychos. And my comfort zone is me, my dad, the television. My mom's there, that's all good. Usually that's about as far as I'll stretch it. If you've been uh, listening to my show for a long time, you know that I have a bunch of rules when it comes to Bills games. One of the biggest ones is I do not like watching them with non-Bills fans. I do not like watching them with non-NFL fans. I do not like watching them in public. I like to be in my comfort zone. And I was completely out of the comfort zone on Thanksgiving. Now, that's fine. I've been dating my girlfriend for seven years. Love her family. We're very close. So it's not like I'm in the dark here with a bunch of strangers. But they are strangers when it comes to insane fanhood like I possess. They're not gigantic football fans. They're not gigantic sports fans. They're really not sports fans at all. And I'm in the room with not only my girlfriend's family, but my future brother-in-law's family, his mother, his sister, his brother-in-law, and about six little guys, my, my, my nephews and niece and uh, his nephews from the other side. And boy, oh boy, did Bot give them a turkey day show. I mean, you would have thought the main event was on the television, but according to them, the main event was right in front of them in person, and it was me. My future brother-in-law, Kevin, his mother was down, and I don't know how much football she watches. I take not very much, 
She's a 60 plus year old woman lives on her own. And I don't think she's tuning into many football games, but she told me afterwards that the emotional stress that I gave her just from watching me watch the bills was unlike anything she's ever felt. That was her watching me watch the bills, but God bless that woman out of everybody in that room. She was in, infatuated with me. I think she just had never seen anything like it in her life. And she kept saying to me plenty of time, keep the faith. She kept saying, keep the faith. And when that game ended, I went up to her and I said, Hey, I need to bring you around for every bills game. You were the only person around here who gave me any sort of confidence because God knows mine was dwindling throughout that game. I'm screaming, yelling. There's little kids around. I'm swearing. I'm sweating. I mean, you know how loud I am just through the screen here. Imagine how loud I am during a game. But the funny thing was, as much as I probably embarrassed myself, one, I don't really care because it is what it is. That's that what it what you see is what you get. When the bills are on, listen, I apologize in advance, but that's what it's gonna be. But I noticed something which I did find quite intriguing. We were supposed to eat. You know, everybody usually eats quite early on Thanksgiving. And that game didn't end till what, near four o'clock? The food was all ready to go. Everybody was there. Mind you, I'm the only Bills fan in the, in the building. I'm really the only football fan. There was a couple other casual football fans with us. Nobody moved a muscle until that game was over and until Tyler Bass sealed it. Everybody was on the edge of their seat, not necessarily for the Bills, but because of me. And my future brother-in-law, Kevin, he knew better. He knew that the day was going to be in the tubes if the Bills did not find a way. So I think everybody was sitting there just hoping to God, hey, I hope to God the Bills win so that Z-Bot is in a good mood the rest of the day because we have hours left. We haven't even eaten our meal yet. And this kid's over here screaming, crying, sweating, swearing. Can we just get him into a good state of mind so that we can eat our turkey in peace? And God bless those Buffalo Bills and my, my family there. It all wound up coming to fruition and things were fine. But because of that, I think I've had enough of the Buffalo Bills on Thanksgiving. Now, that wasn't the only realization I think I came to that day. It was a, it was a clear realization. After I went to the bathroom and kind of toweled myself off, because I was pacing. I mean, come on. If you're like me, that game was not even close to in hand until the game was over. And that, of course, means pacing and a lot of stress. And that just brings out a lot of physical uh it just physically weighs on me. And after I kind of came to terms with what we had just saw, because if you're like me, you know, if, unless the bills are rolling, you're, you're not satisfied. Right. And there's something that I realized after the dust settled after that game. And it's kind of to that point. And it's what I wanted to open the show up with here before I get rev in here for us to talk about what we saw on Thanksgiving X's and O's wise, and just sort of from the Bills perspective, and then we move forward into week 13. Wanted to start the show off with this. Outside of realizing I don't want the Bills to play on a holiday anymore, I also realize that we have been very, very critical of this Bills team ever since the bye week. And to some extent, it's been warranted. It's been very warranted. And you can call out the errors and INTs from Josh Allen. There's been plenty of them. That deserves criticism. You can call out the multiple games where the Bills defense regressed against the run, getting run all over. There's criticism to be had there. 
You can call out the Bills' inability to shut down the wide receiver uh, one from the opponent. Justin Jefferson, field day. Amari Cooper, field day. Amon Ross St. Brown this past week, field day. Criticism. You can call them out. All those things are fair. And with any team and with any sport, there's going to be fair criticism to be dealt. Hell, with anything in life, no matter what you do, someone's going to have something to say. And a lot of times they're just trying to tell you it because they're trying to help you out. They're trying to make you better. You got to be able to take positive criticism. But I think as fans, there's no, there's no rationale behind anything that we do. We're fanatics. We're fans. And that is a complete contra, it's completely contradictive to anything rational. There's nothing rational about being a fan. Hell, there is nothing even close to rational about being a Bills fan. So a lot of those criticisms are valid, but I think there's been some over-criticism that's been unfair, from myself included, as well as the entirety of the fan base. We've compared the last stretch of games post-buy to the pre-buy games. Hell, we've compared the last stretch of games to the preseason. Let's go all the way back before the 2022 NFL season even kicked off. Before the year started, the expectations for these Buffalo Bills were through the roof. Hell, there wasn't even a roof to be seen. Those expectations were so high. Super Bowl favorites, Josh Allen, the MVP favorite. Vegas favorites to win every single game. When the initial lines came out before the season even started, the Bills were favored in every game. The list goes on and on. You would have thought that this Buffalo Bills team had been to back-to-back Super Bowls with the expectations that they had. The reality of the situation, the Bills didn't even make the AFC Championship last year. And that's easy to forget, especially if you're not a Bills fan, because of the expectations that have been on the shoulders of this team since early in the preseason. Then the season starts. They start the year in the opening slot. It doesn't get bigger than that. You start the year with the first game of the NFL season. All eyes are on you. The Thursday nighter opening up the 2022 season. Anybody who gives a lick about football is tuning in. And it just so happens to be on the road against the reigning Super Bowl champion LA Rams. And not only that, but the Bills were favored to win that game going into it. And you got to remember, I know it feels like a long time ago, but at that time, we didn't know what the Rams were going to be this year. Nobody had a clue that the Rams were going to be as poor as they currently are right now. We didn't know the injuries they were going to sustain. The Rams right now are currently on pace to be one of the worst teams post-Super Bowl their following year. We had no idea. All we had known about those LA Rams were that they were the Super Bowl champions of the year prior. The last time we saw them take that field, they were, ho- they were hoisting the Lombardi. And the Bills absolutely thumped them. 31-10. to 10, Immediately living up to that sky-high expectation, that sky-high hype that had been set on their shoulders before the year even kicked off. Then they have another primetime game right after that, right out of the shoots. You have two primetime games where the entire world is watching you with all those expectations. And you carry what you just did to those former Super Bowl champion Rams into the Ralph 
against the former number one AFC seed, a team that beat the Bills a year ago, the Tennessee Titans. Going into that game, the last we had saw Tennessee, I know they had an early exit in the playoffs. People forget the Tennessee Titans a season ago were the number one seed in the AFC. And they beat the Bills in a heartbreaker in Tennessee last year. The Bills absolutely dismantle the Tennessee Titans, 41-7. to And I distinctly remember coming on this show after those two W's, and I had said, we thought the expectations going into this season were too high. I'm starting to think they might have been too low. That is where we were at as Bills fans through just two weeks of the 2022 NFL season. We go into Miami. At this point, the Bills are decimated with injuries. Almost more than half their defensive starters are out for this game. And we knew that Miami was a much improved team compared to what they were a season ago. And we lose. But the Bills had an opportunity to win that game on the final drive, as they have in all their losses this season. But it was easy to blame that loss on the injuries because we had saw what the Bills did the first two weeks. We had saw how close they were in that Dolphins game. And it was an easy assumption to say, hey, if the Bills had their starting uh, defensive unit in there, the Bills win this one going away. That's how we all felt. You then take that game into the Baltimore Ravens game. Now, mind you, going into the season, what was the biggest knock on the Buffalo Bills from last year? They could not win a close game. Oh, in six last season in one score games. The Bills had yet to prove they could win one. They had just lost another one of the Miami Dolphins. They get beat down by the uh, Baltimore Ravens in the first half of that game. If you remember correctly, that game was, it was a dumpster fire in the first half. It looked like the Bills were going to have an early exit back to Buffalo from M&T Bank Stadium out in Baltimore. But they pull that game up by their bootstraps. They get things going in the second half. We haven't really seen this out of the Buffalo Bills. They dominate the second half. They come all the way back, make an extraordinary defensive play at the end to pick off Lamar Jackson, and the Bills complete the comeback, finally get that monkey off their back, winning a one-score game against an elite AFC opponent, a former playoff team a few years back would have been last year if not for the unbelievable amount of injuries suffered by the Baltimore Ravens. So you're back on the horse. You're feeling good. You get that monkey off your back. What's next? Well, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. At this point, we don't really know how good the Pittsburgh Steelers are. We're assuming it's going to be a down year. Big Ben retires. A lot of young guys on this team. But we still thought, hey, right, it's Mike Tomlin. Never had a losing season. Hell, they beat the Bills last year, week one. No one thought that was going to happen. Back to the domination that we had saw the first two weeks. They kicked the living hell out of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 38-3 to as it stands today. That is still the worst loss for the Steelers this year. And if I remember correctly, that is one of, if not the worst loss in Steelers history, at least under Mike Tom. Historically bad loss for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then came the big one. Then came the game that everybody had circled when the schedule came out. This Bills team was built to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And it was all going to be tested right before the bye week in Arrowhead. And the Bills accomplished exactly what we thought they were going to be capable of doing with this fully loaded Buffalo Bills roster. 
Josh Allen plays extraordinary. They shut down Mahomes on the final drive, intercepting him on a game-winning drive. When does that ever happen? They hold the Chiefs to just 20 points. When does that ever happen? An unbelievable victory where there, was a, there, was, there really wasn't a whole lot to take away from that game where you said, damn, that didn't look good. Josh Allen played incredible. Defense stepped up. And just like that, you walk off into the sunset that is the bye week, 5-1, and one, with one blunder, and all you can say to yourself is, well, hey, we would have beat the Dolphins if it weren't for all those injuries. We have three wins where we absolutely destroyed the opponent, and then we beat the Kansas City Chiefs on the road. I had said on this show numerous times, we can't get used to this. Blowing teams out, we can't get used to it. We can't get used to every single week looking like we are head and shoulders above the rest of the NFL. We can't get used to Josh Allen playing nearly perfect football every single snap. The reality, once again, we're fans. We're fanatics. We could tell ourselves until we were blue in the face that we cannot get used to this. But the truth of the matter is, it was already too late. We had already drank in a full gallon of Kool-Aid. We saw the Bills' dominance. We read all the press clippings. We heard everybody talking about how the Bills were head and shoulders above the rest of the league and how we had watched it firsthand. It was an easy conclusion to come to. Who else going into the Bills' by looked even close to Buffalo? Nobody. It was greatness every single week. It was dominance by Josh Allen every single week. The defense wasn't allowing anything. This offense was humming at a tune that no one has ever really seen before to kick a season off. We could tell ourselves all we want, can't get used to it, but we had already gotten used to it. There's no rationale when it comes to being a fanatic. So going into the bye, what did we expect coming out of the bye? The same exact thing, especially when you looked at the schedule, it's, it looked and felt like it was going to be easier than when the season kicked off. Where we stand, though, the Bills have been banged up. Josh Allen has played far from his best ball. And that after five games post-by, the Bills are three and two. And they have not looked remotely close to what we had saw from the Bills pre-by. And a lot of us are overly critical of this team right now, including myself. I have been for several weeks. You've seen it on my face coming into this, into this show nearly every week since the bye. But when you step back and look at it, the Bills have lost two games after that bye to two playoff teams, both by three points. One in the Minnesota Vikings game where they had about a 99% chance to win it until all of a sudden they didn't. If they re-simulated the ending of that game a hundred times, you witness the one time the Bills lose it. At this point in the season right now, the Bills already have more wins than they had through week 14 of last season. And I think a lot of us forget how much the Bills struggled in the middle of the season last year. The crazy part, the Bills didn't come close to having the injuries at that point of the season last year that they do right now. And the injury list continues to stack and stack. Yet this Bills team is 8-3 and three as it sits today. 
And we watch that Thursday game, and we're expecting dominance once again, right? They're favored by almost 10 points. We've seen what the Detroit Lions are early in the season. We've seen what the Detroit Lions have been my entire life. You just expect to blow them out. The, the truth, though, the Lions have gotten a lot better as the season has progressed, a lot better. That was a hard-fought win. That Lions team is no joke. Amon Ross St. Brown, that backfield, Jared Goff, a serviceable quarterback, and their defense, and I'm a victim of this too. I'm tweeting all throughout the game, uh, worst defense in the league because statistically, the Detroit Lions were and are the worst defense in the league. Not the last three weeks, not even close. That is a much better team than meets the eye. Same with the Cleveland Browns. They gave us everything that they had. They outplayed us for a full half in that game. You watch them yesterday, no quitting them. They beat Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks yesterday in overtime in a game that looked all but lost towards the end. And the Green Bay Packers, right out of the bye, the Bills smack them in the mouth in the first half. A really bad second half. Green Bay got it going on the ground. At the time, we're thinking Green Bay is one of the worst teams in the league. But every week since, they have given their opponent a run for their money. They beat the Dallas Cowboys, and they played an unbelievable game last night against the Philadelphia Eagles, who have only lost one game on the entire year. So I guess my point is this. We have got to realize going into this coming up gauntlet that the expectations that were set for the Bills going into the season and what we saw into the bye were not realistic. And what we've seen since the bye is not nearly as bad as we thought. Is it great? No. Is Josh Allen been playing his best? Absolutely not. Does this defense seem to have holes all over the place? Yes. Two losses by three points each, one in which would have been a win 99.9% of the time. I had to look myself in the mirror. I think we all have to look ourselves in the mirror because we have been overly critical, but we have been overly critical simply based on the false, the falsified expectations that we set for ourselves going into the bye. It was never sustainable. Not only were the Bills going to be able to sustain that level of play, did we really think that everybody else in the league was going to play that poorly? Look at Tennessee. They've barely lost a game since playing the Bills. Lost yesterday to Cincinnati. I think that was their first loss in, what, five weeks? Things change dramatically. And at the end of the day, even though things have changed, we sit here today with the Bills being 8-3. and three. And I have a lot more to say on the matter because it gets even crazier when you realize just how much things can change this coming week. And that's where I bring in my main man, Rev. And he's looking better than ever. I got to take him off a of mute. So he doesn't, let me, let me get him off a of mute. Let me get him off a of mute. Rev, you got to unmute yourself. It's not letting me do it. There he is. What up, baby? Baby, what is going on? How was your Thanksgiving? Man, Thanksgiving was fantastic. Um, <clears throat> had a really good time, man. Uh, good. You know, I, I think the early, the early game that we played, it re, it re, I, I'm glad you had mentioned about, about like, like nobody in the house is really doing anything because it yeah. really put the whole Thanksgiving ordeal like on pause. Like I, I, th depending upon how that game was going to go, was going to determine how the rest, the rest of my Thanksgiving was going to be. And, uh, man, I was stressing all the way out, man, all the way out. Um, but needless to say, man, um, it ended up being a, a, a very good Thanksgiving, and so I'm, I'm glad. 
Well, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear. Of course, it was made better by getting that W. And like oh, I yeah. said earlier, oh, yeah. I just oh, don't know what it would have been if they hadn't. But I don't want to think about. It. Like Kanye West said, everybody would want to know what I do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know, right? <laughs> know. So this right. is what I want to get into, Red. Before we bring the thigh doc on, who's waiting patiently in the background to give us some. Surely not good news, which, like I say, every, oh, okay. every time he comes on, I, I, I mean, he's a good-looking son of a gun, but God, do I hate seeing him. But we'll bring him on in a minute here. Before we do, <laughs> I know how you felt. <laughs> see the, I've wanted, yeah, no. so thank they they called me out already, man. Oh, I know. That's why I wanted to start. <laughs> thank you, Nico. I appreciate it. So I know how I felt after that game. I wasn't overly oh. impressed. I don't think many people were, but I think, you know, some of us might have taken it a notch too far. In fact, my dad sent me a screenshot yeah, of your tweet. He goes, oh, boy. He goes, Rev's going to get cooked. I go, no. Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> I go, no, Rev's in his feels right now. He doesn't mean that. He doesn't oh, dude, mean that. I was, no, man. I was, I was in. I mean, I was all listen, the way vested, bro. But listen, that's why I wanted to make this point to kick it off, because I think in the moment we all, to some degree, feel something like that. We don't know what it is. We don't know why. It just doesn't feel particularly, you know. Good. Yeah. It doesn't feel great, yeah. even though you just got the win. So we uh, we have all these factors that go into it, right? Uh, you know, the way things started in the beginning of the year, the way things have been post by, it's just not linear. It's not the same. And we think that the sky is falling at times, even though they sit here at eight and three, they've won their last two, yeah. and they have ample opportunity coming up here to really put their mark on things. And that's where I want to kind of dive into this with you, because I was going through stuff earlier. And I don't think people quite realize how much things can change starting this week. And when I say change, mm -hmm. I mean dramatically. So here yeah. we are, the good old playoff machine. Now, when you there see this, go. you want to know what this reminds me of, Rev? This reminds me of back in the day, right around high school, where I would go through this thing and I would do every impossible mathematical equation to see how the Bills would get into the playoffs. <laughs> That's what this thing reminds me of. <laughs> Luckily for us now, we use it yeah. for completely different matters. So yeah, here's no how it sits right now, Rev, and the rest of the gang tuning in. Here's how it sits right now. KC, one seed. What a wild card game that would be. Jets, Dolphins. Dolphins currently with the two seed. They are in first place in the AFC East. Then it would be Bengals and Titans, and then we'd see our old foe again, the uh, Baltimore Ravens as it stands right mm -hmm. now, a team we took down a couple of years ago with the amazing Teron uh, Johnson interception that will be forever remembered by Bill's mafia, but we don't want that fifth seed rev. We don't want to go to Baltimore no. again. We don't want any of that. And I think, you know, looking at the way things have panned out over the last couple of weeks, it just seems like it's going to be tough to get back to where we were. Well, I went through this quick simulation of just week 13 and just the AFC teams. And I went through and I said, well, you know what? This is a very likely possibility. And I could not believe how much things changed. So let's take a look here, Rev, right? Mm -hmm. We got the Bills Thursday night. This game's huge. We're going to dive into it throughout the show. Yeah. This game is massive. And the way I labeled this show in the description, I said, if you want to get down to the nitty-gritty here, you could argue for the AFC East, the playoffs kind of start this week. Every game mm -hmm. is playoff-esque when it comes to your oh, seat. Yeah. It's remarkable, not only for the seating, but for getting in in general. The New England Patriots, as it stands right now, they're not in. They have got to, you know, find a way to get in. Winning on Thursday would be a massive, massive boost towards doing that. But right. I don't think it's going to happen. Let's say it doesn't happen for our sake. Bills get the W in Foxborough Thursday night, right? Mm -hmm. so we'll get rid of that game. Doesn't matter. Okay, you know, Ravens beat the, the Broncos. Everybody expects that. Uh, 
you know, Lions beat the Jags, who cares? Uh, none of these games matter, right? Okay, so here's where it gets interesting. Bills beat the, the Pats. Got that in the book on Thursday night. Let's get to Sunday. Oh, boy, what do you see? Jets, mm. Vikings. That ain't going to be an mm. easy game for those New yeah. York Jets with Mike White in one of the craziest environments in the NFL right? in front of the Vikings nation there. I'm leaning Vikings all day on that game right now, Rev. Would you yeah. agree? Yeah, I agree. So we give the W to the Vikings. Doesn't get easy here for a current playoff team in the AFC. Titans on the road in Philly. I got to imagine mm. if my if my, if I got a gun to my head, Rev, my money's on Philly. How about you? That that's going to be a tough matchup. Tough game. Both teams can run yeah. the hell out of the ball. Yeah. It's going to be a hell of a that's good a game. good game actually, man. Really to good watch. Game. That's, yeah, that's a really good game. Um, the way the way Philly's been playing though, um, they they look really good. Um, that's really the first time I actually seen them really well. Um. Uh, uh, last night oh my god they ran for almost 350 yards i mean we're Dude. talking about some of the greatest running we've ever yeah. seen before yeah ridiculous um they look very good um yep. I, I, would, I would i would give them the victory yeah so we go with the eagles a close win though now look at who those miami dolphins got to play on the road against perhaps the hottest team in the nfc over the last yeah. several weeks and if you really look at rosters who's got a better roster right now than the san francisco 49ers the Miami Dolphins have played some cupcakes over the last month. Very much this so. This is going to be a tough outing for mm -hmm. the Miami Dolphins. If I had my money on it, Rev, I'm going with the Niners in this one. Do I think yeah. that the Dolphins can win it? Absolutely. But I think if I had to bet on it, I'm going Niners. Mm -hmm. I think this is, where, this is where the Dolphins get tested finally. Absolutely. You know, I mean, going against a top defense like that cross-country trip, um, the way the way that defense has been getting after it, I don't see yeah. Tua being able to stand in the pocket and deliver to 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 um, his targets like he normally has been. I I, I think the, I think the Niners are going to beat him, and they could beat him soundly. The Dolphins just lost their best offensive lineman. This defense for San Francisco, yeah, no joke. I'm leaning San Francisco in this game, and like uh, Andy's coming here. By the way, I'm just realizing this too as we go through what yeah, man, a schedule we have coming up this year. Holy yeah. cow! All right. Take a look at this game, Rev. Oh, it doesn't get better now, than this. This game right there. This doesn't get better, right? For for Bills fans, uh, but like if if we if we're looking at that number one seed and, and we oh, think that the, looking the, at it, we think that the Chiefs, you know, they need to lose somewhere because you look at the rest of the schedule. I think this is the game where you where you think oh, it's a reality. It's a possibility. No one's playing hotter ball right now, arguably in the AFC than the Cincinnati yeah. Bengals. They've got it in gear. Watch what happens when I click on the Bengals here. Oh yeah. Folks, within one week here, within yeah. one week, when it just seems like things aren't nearly what they were to kick the year off, within one week, the Bills would go from the sixth seed to the one seed. Mm -hmm. Also, atop of the AFC East, completely controlling their destiny for not only the division title, but for the one seed the rest of the year, if these very you know, possible scenarios pan out i mean rev and i aren't sitting here grasping at straws these are very likely outcomes that we are looking at right here and it's more than possible that last week when it just felt like things were completely you know falling apart compared to what they were in the beginning of the year mm -hmm. you flip a switch this week and the bills could very well be in possession of the one seat you also take a look at this that really interested me the bills going forward have the 10th toughest schedule in the league, the Jets, the Dolphins, 
And uh, where am I looking here? The, yeah, excuse me. The Jets, the Patriots, and the Dolphins, Rev, mm-hmm. all have tougher schedules. Let's take a look at the Jets real quick. Look at who they have left. Their easiest opponents are two tough outs. The yeah. Jags, who just beat Baltimore yesterday. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence looks better than ever. And the Lions, who gave the Bills all they could handle. Tough team. Yeah. Tough team. You look at these opponents, got the Bills again, of course, the Dolphins, the Seahawks were, of course, no joke, and then the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And then Miami. They got a real tough schedule going they forward. Got a gauntlet, as well. man. Yeah. So you take a look at what we got in front of us here, not only for what the Bills have in front of them and their schedule, but you take a look around the rest of the league. Mm-hmm. And you realize pretty quick that the tide can switch on a dime starting this week. And it's got me beyond excited, especially Rev kicking things off on Thursday night in Foxborough. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I think, I think what we as Bills fans need, and this is, I'm, I'm really talking to myself here because I mean, you really, you really helped me out, man. You, you gave me some therapy, but I appreciate that brother, because I was extremely emotional and I tend to get that way with, with, with this team and, and, and wins and, and, you sure. laid it out perfectly with the with the high expectations, and then the way you see you seen them come out out the gates, really really strong, looking like they were invincible. Um, yep. But nevertheless, I mean, they're still sitting here at eight eight and three. Um, they really can control their own destiny. And then you know, looking at last year, this time last year, close to this time last year, the Bills came out of out of Thanksgiving seven and four, and they won four seven and six, ref. Wow. Yeah, seven and six. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um and and so here we are, eight and three, with a much tougher schedule. Um, in a tighter AFC East race, yep. it's it's very possible that that the Bills can easily um, get to that number one seed if they take care of business. Um, now, these, these are some re- very realistic possibilities that can actually happen um, within the, within the uh, span of a week or two. Um, but going into this Thursday night game right here against the Patriots, it is a must win. And I know people are, like don't like to say that. Oh, it's never a must win. No, it's a must win. When you look at at at, at, at the race it's always been the race since since week one i mean there's you've been in the playoff race since then but the closer you get to the playoffs to the end of the season it, every win counts even the more so and especially the way this division is playing out right now um it is definitely a must win because the bills are zero and two right now in the in division they cannot afford to go zero and three in the east and find themselves you know on the outside looking in trying to catch up you don't want to do that they control their own destiny that they need to go ahead and knock out the pats right now which is not going to be as easy as it possible as as it as it quite as it was last year. Um, I think I think it's gonna it's gonna be not different. if Mac Jones plays the way challenge. he just did against Minnesota because he looked well, phenomenal. Yeah, he looked good against Minnesota, no no doubt. And 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 the uh, the Patriots defense is 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 uh playing very well. Oh, big time. Um, yeah, yeah, very well. So it's it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a challenge um, for the Bills uh, nonetheless. But they better make sure they come ready locked and loaded this game i mean all the marbles right here pull out all the stops um and make sure they take care of business um in foxborough to go ahead and, and get that much closer to securing the division win first and then the number one seat two quick things before we get the thigh doc in here to give us a much needed injury update one if there's a reason i have this in my twitter bio all tweets during game day are irrational so anybody jumping down rev's throat throat you gotta you gotta pump the brakes because you know deep down, no matter what, y'all feel a little bit of something when the Bills aren't clicking on full cylinders. We all do. So don't pretend that you don't. Yeah. Hey, Every man, look, I, I've got I got no shame in my game. I mean, for real, because I, 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 put, I put my heart out there, man. I'm, I'm all in, baby. And, and 
And when I'm emotional, I'm emotional. Yeah, it is what it is. knows you the way we do. I think that's the other thing, too. They yeah. might just think you're just spewing. You know, they don't know no, how, man. you know, emotional. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a, and I've said this before. Look, I'm a fan. Okay. Sure. I mean, I'm a fan. Yeah. I mean, I'm here with the platform. I got a mic, but I'm a fan. And I, and, and when I'm, when I'm watching the bills, man, I'm, I'm, I'm invested. And I, I go up with the roller with the roller coaster. I go down with the roller coaster. It, it, it's just how it is, man. This is how I fan. Um, it's hard for me to change it. Um, but but I say know, every week, like, man. If I go back and look at my tweets, I mean, you would have thought that oh, I dude, you think I have oh. the worst bipolar in, in existence. It's not even it's not even funny. <laughs> the amount of emotions yeah. that I display within an hour period, oh. and I look back on it and I'm like, dude, why did I even like what am I doing? But in the moment, it's just something. Oh it's man, stressed out, bro. Stressed out. Stressed and then out two, yeah. And then two on the other side of things. After the thigh dog, we're going to have a lot to talk about uh, from the Detroit game, of course, and then getting that in the past because it's already pretty stale at this point, but we got to talk yeah. about it. Then we move forward into that gauntlet we've been referring to of the uh, three games coming up against mm-hmm. the AFC East. With that said, it's time to bring him on. There he is. Oh, you got you got to put the music on for him, man. What's oh, up? Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> listen, what do I go? I, I always yeah, – I, I, I hit it right the first time. There, there it is. The thigh dog. I will play the music because it's tradition. Although thigh dog, I'm just like I say every time, man. But it feels like every time I bring you on, it's about somebody new. That's the problem. I'm not bringing you on to get an update. Yeah, it's always something else. And this week, of course, the leadoff. It's Von Miller. Now you know it's weird to me uh, in this one because thigh dog. When I was watching the game, I'm at the fams, and you got a million people talking during Thanksgiving. So the broadcast quality, or the broadcast audio, rather. I wasn't listening as carefully as I usually do. So it kind of took me by surprise when I saw Von Miller getting carded off. And then of course you're like, come on, you can't catch a break these days on defense. We get the initial update that, you know, it could be this, it could be that, but at the very least it's going to be seven to 10 days. We're a few days removed from that game. Now, thigh doc, what can you tell us based on your knowledge as to what we can expect from Von Miller and his injury throughout the rest of the year here? Yeah, well, the good the good thing is, is he didn't tear his ACL. So that yes. was like the big fear. So basically the, the mechanism, that means like the way he was injured, where his like leg kind of buckled underneath him, it looked bad. It looked like an ACL. He looked at dejected. He, uh, mm-hmm. he got in a cart and they took him off. So that was definitely the uh, the biggest concern coming out of that. Um, but then when they, they called it a sprain, now we do know it's a, it's a lateral meniscal tear at this point. Um, you don't refer to meniscal injuries as sprains. So it's a little odd. The team kind of released that out of the gate, um, which means he might actually have like a sprained ligament in there. But the main issue is the lateral meniscal tear. So from your experience, I mean, right now we are hearing a million different things, but the one thing I think everybody's most concerned about is whether or not it's going to require surgery and that seems to be really up in the air is it true that you really just have to give it about a week or so until you can determine whether or not that's necessary yeah so it's tricky um so there's two meniscuses um and i got i got something down here that i i think i want to pull out for you i you always oh, got my hey, hey okay so i got <laughs> the <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> it's not the brady dildo all right so uh. I got the knee here. So this is a right knee looking at you. Um, so you come down. This is your your quad would be up here, mm-hmm. right? And then it comes to the quad tendon. And then you got your kneecap here. So if I pull your kneecap out, you can see your kneecap there. So let's try to bend the knee, and then we can see inside the knee. So obviously down in this hand, this is your tibia, which is your shin bone. So we're looking from top down. So these see those two little circles in here? Mm-hmm. 
boom, boom. Mm. Those are your meniscuses. And then like the bands that are going north to south, that's your ACL and PCL. On the sides would be your MCL and LCL. What, what we know is he's got a, a lateral meniscal tear, okay? So that would be on this side. The problem with the lateral meniscus, so that's like the cushion between these two bones. Mm-hmm. Um, the laterals don't do well, um, so they're trickier. So that's why it's like, ah, oh, he had a meniscal tear. Great, not a big deal. Oh, it's a lateral. So that's like, it's it's not as happy. Um, so he, it's someone reported that he's going to need surgery at some point. So I think what they're going to do is they're going to take the first seven day, seven to 10 days to see if the swelling can go down and if he could play through it. Now he's going to play through it. It's going to hurt. Yeah. It gets, they get swollen and they hurt. So like, that's the, that's the main uh, side effects. If the knee isn't locking up, cause that's another thing that can happen when you tear your meniscus. It, sometimes it can flap over, get stuck in the joint and then your knee locks up. If oh. it's not, if that's, if that's not happening and it's just pain and swelling, they can manage it. He could play. Albeit maybe limited snap counts. He might not be a, you know, he's probably not going to be a hundred percent Von Miller, but you can, you can get, get a nice snap share out of him. you know, 20, 30% if the game's not a big one. And then, I don't know, shoot him up and roll him out in the playoffs. I mean, I think that's what the team's looking for. Um, but if the, if the knee just doesn't respond well, and it's just so swollen every time he runs, it hurts. He can't push off it and you're looking at 50% of Von Miller, then mm-hmm. it's not worth putting them out. They'll shut them down. They'll do the surgery. And now there's a huge debate. Well, not a debate, but there's a huge difference between the two types of surgery for a meniscus. So you want me to go through that now? Of course. Yeah. All right. So there's a meniscectomy. That means they just trim out the damaged tissue. Now you can come back quickly on a meniscectomy, but your long-term effect is worse. So they're basically taking that cushion out. They're taking the irritated tissue out, cleaning it out, resurfacing it. You know, they, and it's, it's different how fast guys can come back with a lateral meniscal trimming, AKA meniscectomy. But there was a nice paper done recently for elite soccer players. And the average is seven weeks for a meniscectomy on the lateral side. And that would be the lighter end of the surgeries. That would be to that would be a surgery that gets him back quick. Okay, but it's not good for him long term because when you cut the, here's the deal: if you take some meniscus out of the medial side, your contact force goes up 100. percent So that means these two bones are going to push down on each other 100 percent more, and you're going to start to wear out the cartilage. When you take it out of the lateral side, it goes up 200 to 300 percent. So guys wear out super quick when they get the lateral meniscectomy. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. But he's 33. Right. Is he really going to play till 39? He's probably going to have arthritis in his knee around 39. He's going to have cartilage wear in his knee by the time he's 39, even if this injury didn't occur. So that's why they're, they're going to check with other doctors, see, you know, see what the leaders in the field want to do, what they suggest, and uh, they'll make a decision that's right for him. But what I do know is that he's going to try to play through it. And if he can, if his knee can get through it, it swells up after the games. He can't practice much during the week, but hey, you're getting the finisher out there for 20 or 30% of the you know, third downs, you know, 20, 30% of a game with all the big third downs, it's worth it. And then he can get it fixed in the off season. Do you understand? I understand. Page. Cool. Now the, the better case scenario for his career mm. is to get a meniscal repair. 
So instead of coming and cleaning out that meniscus, they actually sew it together. The only problem is, is it's a four to six month recovery, more towards six months for football players. Because you got, you, you, you know, the first month you're in a brace, you can't bend the knee past 90 degrees because you got to let those sutures heal. You got to let it sew up. It's like getting a, you know, a scab on your skin. You got to let that sucker heal until the scab goes down. Then you can start training it. So ideal world, he can play through it and get some meniscal repair in the off season, which bodes well for him long-term because he can get a meniscectomy right now, guys, mm-hmm. and think he's going to come back in six to seven weeks. And it can absolutely fuck his knee up. And it, we're talking potentially career ending. And now I know you're going to be like, oh, shut up. Man. Mm-hmm. That's not true. It is true. Uh, James Andrews put out an article. It There is a f- fear that lateral meniscal tears can cause an end to a career. It depends who you are. Um, the problem with that article is guys had also had ACLs in that study, and they looked at a wide spectrum of players. And they found that if you're a first to third rounder, you're probably going to come back. So take take it with a grain of salt. I think the soccer one that's newer is a better uh, predictor. Six to seven weeks. Um, so that leaves us with a conundrum, right? You know, does he take a week and say, hey, let's just clean it up, make me feel good for the playoffs? Or does he go conservative for two, three, four weeks, says, ah, shit, the knee hurts. I can't play through this. Let's clean it up now. Now, you just lost three weeks, and this is like a yeah. at least a six week to come back from. The playoff starts in what seven weeks? Yeah, seven weeks. Yeah. So like you're against a rock and a hard place. Do you make a decision that's worse for your long term career just to get back for these playoffs? If you're going to do it, you got to do it now. Because if he waits a couple weeks, he's probably not going to be ready. And you know, albeit maybe the Super Bowl he'd come back for. Or do you play through it and try to fix it in the off season? That's ideal. Or does he make the best decision for himself? and say, hey, you know what, shut me down, give me the repair now, and then I'll be good for training camp. So it's actually quite the dilemma. Um, Do you we'll anticipate see seeing him in the regular season again? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, he, You know, he tweeted out, he said two weeks. I mm-hmm. think he's hell-bent rehabbing this and trying to play through it. The question is, is it going to hold up? And we'll find out. Now, because there's, guys, there's so many different types of meniscal tears. Yeah. There's like a, a little one, a little radial tear. There's ones that go horizontal. And then as you get to the progressive ones that are worse, there's these terms you'll hear like bucket handle or root tears. Uh, those are the bad ones. So, those, you know, I'm not going to get all into the medical jargon, but there's different levels say, you of tears. You got your own lingo and stuff. I think it's yeah. extraordinary. You got your own. I, mean, I, I got a question for you, though, Thaddeus, if you don't mind. Yeah. So um, is it possible for, for players to get a meniscectomy and then also get a repair? done right after that so if he so if he decides right now he wants to get a meniscectomy clean it out be good for you know i mean after seven weeks and then he's he's there for like to say the playoffs and then at the end of the year he decides to go no. ahead and get a repair can you do that or no never never heard never. of that ever happening and, okay. and not not an insult but that is a great question yeah um but no because the tear is going to be there they're going to clean out the whole tear basically if, if you oh, if you okay. look inside the knee right and there's like a yeah. you know like a uh, it's okay. hard to see on the screen. Okay. Just imagine one of those things has a little cut in it. Say I took scissors and snipped at it. They have to clean out like a big, like uh, a horseshoe around that area. Mm-hmm. They just take that whole junk out. Um, so that's that's the deal. Mm-hmm. Now, you yeah. know, it's something interesting. This is interesting. Yeah. It is so rare to get an isolated lateral meniscal tear. They usually tear when you tear your ACL. 
which is so funny. it should have been way worse, wow. like, like historically. It looked like he tore his ACL. You you can you I slowed the video down. You can see yeah. the knee shift a little bit. It wasn't a huge clunk though, and it was subtle. And you know it's grainy, and he's got high socks on, and you're looking from the front. It was kind of tough to tell, and I, that's why I kind of mentioned you know possibly a patella subluxation. Because sometimes when your knee's bent and your knee's caving in, this kneecap can just rivet out and back in. That's called the subluxation of the patella. And that's what um, Mahomes had, I think, two years ago. He missed two games. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we got that out of the way. I mean, I, yeah. as always with you, I always feel somewhat optimistic. And then I also feel somewhat doom and gloom. But the fact that it's not the ACL, to me, seems like the overall optimism here. Because at the very worst from what that could have been, he wouldn't have been coming back until this time next year at the earliest. I mean, we've been dealing with that with Trey white for the last year. So that's, yeah. that's, that's good news. There's plenty more to get into thigh doc before we get into all of it. The one quick question I have for you, and this has been made, there's a lot of that's been made about this this past week, mainly because of Tony Romo. Everyone is saying that Josh Allen and his camp planted the info to Tony Romo to say throughout the podcast <laughs> that his elbow is bothering him way more than we've been led on uh, to believe. Yeah. What is your personal opinion, not only based on all of that, but just based on his play and, and the fact that he's back in the brace again today for practice? What do you make of the whole situation surrounding Allen right now? And do you really think it's worse than we all believe that it is? Yeah, well, they've been laying nuggets for two weeks. They yeah. said it, it's all in his arm angle. So when he brings his arm angle down, it hurts. And when he throws over the top, it doesn't hurt. But he's probably more accurate on like a little bit of a little bit of out so he's probably changing his mechanics to to support not to support but to avoid the the pain in the elbow um i think his throws do not look as sharp and i don't think mm-hmm. they're as fast um you know that's anecdotal I, I i have nothing to measure it i'm just that's just an eye test do i think someone probably told us can't yeah and it might not even came from josh allen it might come from the sure. two doctors like yeah. hey this is, he's he's gonna be on tv just know he's still dealing with that everyone forgets he's He's got an elbow injury. So right. uh, don't forget, he, he sprained his UCL uh, his rookie year. It took him five weeks. So, you know, he played right away. It, is he probably pre-aggravating a little bit each game? Yes. And did he play on a short week on four days on a ligament that's already needs time to rest? Yeah. So yeah. they probably were like, you know, he might not look that good. <laughs> he still hurts because they yeah. just played yeah. Sunday and now it's Thursday. Just a heads up. Um, I don't think Allen's camp would do that, to be honest. I just don't think he's like that, looks for excuses. So, no, neither do I. I think it seemed like somebody – Somebody the did. Yeah, exactly. Just, or or Tony's got a half-decent brain still, and he and well, he realizes he him, what he's though. working he's like, he's like the sorcerer. <laughs> he's, he just knows yeah. everything before it happens. That's why I think everybody kind of puts so much stake into it. Yeah, well, he might he, – honestly, he might have just uh, organically figured – and express that i don't know i don't want to read into that too much but i do know alan definitely is still dealing with it a little bit he's not going to look like himself for at least four to six weeks after that injury that doesn't mean he can't look closer and closer and closer week over week and he wore that brace for three months from the date of the injury his rookie year so look for that sucker to stay until the end of the season let's move on to trey Edmonds. what's the latest with with him i think it just you know once again, with this defense, you know, you, you gain one, you lose one. It, it's yeah. noticeably different without him out there. Thank God Milano's there. Without, losing both of them at the periods that we have, it's terrible. But obviously, need Edmonds back for the AFC East. Gauntlet ahead. What's the what's the latest on him? 
Uh, we're talking about Edmonds? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he has a heel thing, which, you know, it either, either bruised his heel and it, and it was sore, or he's got something like a plantar fasciitis. Mm-hmm. I think Jarris Bird used to have that. Um, but yeah, yeah. If, it's, if it's something chronic like a plantar fasciitis, that sucks. Because that, that's he's going to have to deal with that. And some guys just don't even get over it. It like runs its course for a year, and, and then finally it goes away. But anyways, uh, the heel thing. Um, actually, you know what? Did, what did the injury report say today? Did it say groin and heel, or did it say groin? Groin and heel. All right, so then he's dealing with something long-term on the heel. Um, and then the groin, groins, are, are they tricky? Kind of. I mean, it's a soft tissue. It's a strain. Um, again, if it's just a regular little strain of the muscle tendon, uh, you're looking at, you know, two to four weeks, he's working through it. Um, he got to take a week off, so that should help. Um, but other things that give you pain in the groin, and I I don't want to sound the alarm, but like hip labral issues or sports hernia, those are kind of things that could feed into that area. So just keep an eye out on what kind of surgery gets in the off season. With Vaughn out now, it's more key than ever to get Rousseau and Epineza back. What's the latest on those two? They both didn't practice again today. No, they did practice today. Did that? Epinesa, Epinesa. Oh, yeah, you know, you're right. I'm looking at the I'm looking yeah. at the one here. Oh, they're, they're full. They're full. They are full? Okay, good. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Yeah. That's what I get. It's Deion Dawkins that didn't practice. not being able to read yeah. it. That's the positive. It's all good. All right, so they're yeah. back. You're ready to rock. Good. But uh, Yeah, are they ready to rock? I think well, they're good. I think. I think this game's big. This is being viewed sure. as a playoff game. And I think any guys that were on the fence that might get a week off prior in the season mm-hmm. are getting thrown into the fire here. Yeah, I think, group, you know, group, they showed a video, you know, he had a high ankle guys. Let's take four to six weeks. He's at four weeks now going on five. It's his first practice. He looked a little ginger. Can you fight through it? Yes. Can it get aggravated? Does it have a higher chance to get re-aggravated? Yes. Um, Epinesa, he didn't even look like he got hurt in the last game, and he's got right. an ankle thing. He had two weird foot and ankle things that he hurt in practice last year that he missed games for. I don't know if he's got a chronic issue in there. I really don't, but um, it kind of looks like it because if he's not rolling his ankle and he's he's just planting on it and it hurts and then he's got to miss a game, it's that's a, that raises an eyebrow. Um, again, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. Mm. These, all these guys deal with stuff, so this isn't anything new, but uh, you're seeing some patterns with some guys. So, uh you know, I think um, Groot, he's young. He's coming off a high ankle. I think that's like the scariest, scariest thing for the team and, and longevity of his career. And then uh, Epinesa, you know, he hasn't really reached his full potential. Sounds like he's got some ankle thing he's going to be dealing with kind of long term. And if you and if you want my opinion on another guy that hasn't been on the report, um, I still think Gabe Davis looks a little gimpy at times. So I, hear I think he might. Mm-hmm. I think he's still dealing with that ankle injury from earlier in the year, yeah. and he had an ankle thing the year before and the year before. So that's three years in a row with the ankles on Gabe Davis. He's probably got some damage in there. How about Mitch Morris? I know it, it looks like he's, yeah. you know, he's tunneling towards being back, but uh, he's been on and off as well. What are your What are your thoughts on where he's at right now? Yeah, he must have a real bad sprain in his elbow because he's been on the report all year. He only missed one game for it. And the, the game, he did get hurt. He, he played the whole game. So, yeah. you know. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? 
Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Well, I think he left shortly and came back. Um, I'm not too worried about his elbow. Sounds like, you know, it's a bad sprain. He's going to be dealing with it for, through, throughout the year, but it's, it's workable. Um, the ankle, I saw the video. I, I had posted a tweet about it. It's a low ankle sprain, so it's a lateral ankle sprain. Those are the best ones to have. The only problem is, is the way his foot stepped back and all the weight went on it, it looked like a pretty vicious one. So yeah. I'm not surprised he missed a short week, but he should be good to go this week, and I think he will be. That's good, knowing that. Yeah. Now, another guy we need next to him, Deion Dawkins, especially with this Patriots mm. D, what yeah. is the latest there? I think he was one of those injuries on Thanksgiving where it just all of a sudden, oh, you know, Deion Dawkins is not in there anymore. What happened yeah. there, and, and what do you yeah. expect moving forward? Because it was the last play of the first half, so yeah. it kind of got scrubbed. I didn't even I didn't even see it, and then I heard he's out. So, you know, so I, I looked back. So he got rolled up on. So he's kicking back, and a lineman falls on the outside of his foot, which makes it bend inward, kind of into that motion, kind of that looked like Von Miller, like the knee, but it was yeah. more of an ankle thing. So the ankle gets stuck underneath the body. The guy's hip and low back falls on top of it. It bends the foot inward. So that's the opposite of a low ankle sprain. That's an inward ankle sprain. Okay. Two things can happen when that happens. You could get a medial ankle sprain or you can get a high ankle sprain. And the only difference is, is like they both fold inward, but when you have a high ankle sprain, you also get a, a torsion to it, kind of like you're twisting off a bottle, bottle cap. So I saw the video and then he's out for the rest of the game. And I'm like, shit, he's got a, he's got a high ankle sprain. I looked at the video. Mm -hmm. It looked like a high ankle sprain. I tweeted it out like an idiot because it's Thanksgiving. I didn't realize he was on the sideline in the second half. And then, you know, people are like, oh, you're an idiot. He wasn't even in a boot. He was in a boot after the game, but that doesn't matter. It's not like he was on a boot with crutches. He was on a simple walking boot. You know, it's pretty protocol. Um, but the fact that he was on the sideline and he was jumping around a little bit bodes very well. So I'm going to assume it was just a medial ankle sprain. Sorry to sound the alarm on that, um, which is usually like a one to two week recovery, um, especially because the team caught the day to day so that definitely feeds into saying, hey, this is probably just a medial ankle sprain. Um, they're a little worse than low, the lateral ones, but not by that far. So okay. um, if he does miss like three games, limited, coming back for the fourth, then it was a high ankle sprain, guys, just for the record. He's so not, he's potential to definitely be missing some time there for Dion. Yeah, and they, you know, the team handled the Ed Oliver ankle sprain a little oddly, like, High ankle sprains, you're usually taken out right away. But Ed came back after halftime, played two, played two snaps, came out. Then he like was back limited at practice real quick with like a tape job. I don't know if that was like gamesmanship, but uh, they handled that one a little weird. And that's since been reported was a high ankle sprain. So um, I don't know if they're taking the same approach, being a little more aggressive, not taking uh, Dion off his feet real quick. Um but again, if they're calling it day to day, he was on the field. Again, I, I don't see him missing more than one, two at the most weeks. Unless this is a high ankle issue, then you're looking at three to four games. All right. So before we let you go, one last 
tidbit here. Finally, Trey White gets on the field. Very limited snap count, but he was uniformed. He was out there. Great to see. Leslie Frazier said we can expect to see a lot more of him next week. Yeah. What are your overall thoughts right now on just when they brought him back, the pitch count, and then moving forward? I mean, can we expect to see him out there the majority of the game coming up here against the Patriots? Or do you think everything is just kind of in the court of the Bills and how they handle it from going you know, forward so what, here? All right. So the fact that he came back for that game is a head-scratcher in the grand scheme of things. But Agreed. That- I think it had everything to do with I think it had everything to do with Trey wanting to come back on a one year anniversary. Mm-hmm. I think it meant something to his heart. And that's that was yeah. the deal. I'm more eyebrow raising because like I didn't think his his weaning back into the game would be do two series and you're done. Right. I figured they would go yeah. on and off, on and off throughout the game, right. make sure he's got the endurance and stuff. That was what was weird. And I was talking to Rico, you know, hopefully he didn't like tell the team like, Hey, I'm ready. And then like play two series. It's like, nah, I'm good. I yeah. Can't imagine especially with like, Amara St. Brown out there, absolutely cooking. It wasn't like they couldn't use her. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> yeah. It was weird. It was definitely weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So listen, if they, if that's just how they were going to do it, they were going to do it. And now they're going to get him up to like 50% snaps and then 75% snaps. That's kind of how I see it going. Um, that's what I would expect, but I don't know. It might yeah. be a tight game. It's the Patriots. He's like, Coach, I'm good. Keep me out there. And then it, and then it's just Trey's back. So, Well, who knows? 50% might be enough against McCorkle Jones. We'll have to see. But the way he played against the Vikings the other night, hmm. wouldn't mind having Trey White out there, to say the least. Uh, anything I'd, want him, I'd, want him, I'd want him ready for Miami. Yeah, 100%. absolutely. So if they want to do 50, ball, man. Oh my 50, God. 50% this week, 75% for the Jets, or even 50-50, you know, I don't care. Well, it's like Just pick your poison. Mike White's looking like Joe Montana, and the Mac Jones against the Vikings looking like wow. Brady and, and Tua. I mean, you know, I don't know if it's him or the, the wide receiver core, but they're, you know, they're you blink yeah. and they're in the yeah. red zone. I mean, I granted it was against the Texans, but hey. We could use them, that's for sure. All right, hey, Thigh Doc, that was a long-winded segment, and I appreciate you coming on, as always. No problem. Long music every time. And, uh, hey, thanks for the uh, little display thing, too. You always come back. I appreciate it. I'm I'm in pants tonight, but uh, I'll take a rain check on the leg. On the leg thing. Oh, I figured you. I oh, figured man. you were naked, so I was just hoping. You'd, <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you don't have those tearaway pants. You know, you just. No, he's got <laughs> no. a tearaway. It's just there's nothing underneath of them. But that's oh, still right. my work. Still my work khakis. Oh, Good for you. Look at that. A yeah. man's work is never done, especially with the thigh docs. Thank you, brother. Appreciate yeah, it. Take it easy, fellas. Good to see you, man. God. Rabbit, it's like you bring him on. You got to talk to him for three hours because we got, I mean, the, the, the list Dude. is just it's extraordinary. It's extensive, man. But it's, it's, it's good to have him on. Of course. Uh, he, bring, he, brings a, he brings a wealth of knowledge, man, and he really breaks it down and makes it, makes it make a whole lot of sense. He sure does. The Vaughn thing's a head scratcher. I mean, it, it seems to be for him. Imagine how it feels for us. I just hope <sighs> that the way I see it, the same thing with the trace situation and the snap count. The way I see it, if we can just have these guys ready to roll mid-January, I mean, mm. that's all that really matters, honestly. I mean, all these games are massive, but, I mean, when you get down to it, if, you, if you're going to have them back, they need to be back for that. And I, and I think Vaughn, I, I think he's he's so all in this year. He's willing to just to do whatever it takes to get back on the field. I mean, if he's going to, you know, rest for a couple of weeks and try to play on it, you know, with the brace or whatever, yeah. I think he's going to do it, man, because he, he he's hungry. Yeah. to get that championship and he wants to be, have a part in it and not sit on the sideline 
um, you know, because he had to take surgery. And, you know, I just think that he's going to be doing whatever it takes to get back on the field. All right, Rev, let's get rocking here. So Thursday, let's put that, let's put a bow on it. 28-25 Bills win, basically yeah. at the buzzer with Tyler Bass. Um, closer than I think a lot of us expected, but I think that mm-hmm. we should have saw that coming based on the way the Detroit Lions have been playing. And, hey, based on the way the Bills have not been smothering teams. I mean, teams have gotten yeah. better over the course of the season, and it's not going to be, like I mentioned at the top of the show, what we saw the first two weeks. Real quickly before we move on and look ahead, because, hey, we're only three days removed from a big showdown yeah. against the Patriots. Right. Talk to me about what you saw on Thursday. Really, what was your biggest takeaway or one or two things you saw on Thursday that you that kind of stuck with you and, and stood out the most? Well, obviously for me, it, it had it had to have been the cornerback play. That was that, that that really hurt the most. You know, was watching those cornerbacks get 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 burnt. I mean, Dane Jackson again having having a bad performance. Um is looking like a shell of himself, not not living up to the to the moment or to the task or whatever the case may be. And and you know, I expected there to be some type of a drop off, you know, um, but I didn't expect him to fall off completely like that. And he's 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 looked bad the last few weeks. So that that really that really bothered me, especially when the offense is not really clicking. You want the defense to really be there and and be as formidable as, as it's been. But but man, he's he's just been getting cooked. And so so that 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 game right there. Um, you know, I mean, and I guess it's to be expected, right? I mean, I mean, how much, how much do, do do we really expect from Dane Jackson? I mean, he's going against, you know, the top dogs. You know, what I'm saying uh, Justin Jefferson the week prior, Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, not, not the week prior, but a couple of weeks before then. You know, and then the Browns against uh, Amari Cooper. So he's he's had a tall task, um, but man, he just he just hasn't looked good. And well, so definitely, I mean, you got Jefferson, you got Amari Cooper, and you got Amon Ross St. Brown all yeah. putting up fat numbers the last couple. Of yeah, weeks. yeah. Yeah, so that 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 was a tough go, man. Uh, a tough tough watching that. Um, another thing was, I, I, I I'm glad that they fought through and gutted out this victory. I mean, it was a, it was a yeah. grimy win. It was a grimy game. Um, they 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 didn't play their best. Um, even into the second half, mainly that like the third quarter was just was just ugly. Um, nothing nothing at all going for them until the, so the fourth quarter, and they you know barely were doing something. But they fought and they clawed. Um, under the circumstances, and so I, I mean, I, I I credit them for that. Um, you can't take that away from them. Um, of course, you want them to look like the dominant team that they've been looking like, you know, prior to the bye week. But they may just have to win differently now, you know. And 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 if they're showing that they can win these close games, um, at the end of the day, uh, who cares, right? A win is a win. And if they yeah. get to the to the championship, to the you know Super Bowl, and they win, you know, on on the backs of these close games, I don't think anybody's going to be complaining about it. And I, I know I won't. It's a good point. A couple things for me. One, Devin Singletary, once again, uh, you know, by the standard in which we have seen this run game perform over the last season, two seasons, really, you know, you can really say however long here. I mean, it's never been yeah. anything extraordinary under Josh Allen for the most part. Devin Singletary, once again, great game. Um, Josh Allen, again, you know, after a week where we were like, oh, wow, Josh Allen didn't run. What a miracle. Uh, he's back to leading the uh, the statistic page. In the running category, I mean, he ran the ball extraordinary, and they really had to have him do it, it seemed, in that game. Mm -hmm. The one thing that stood out to me that was kind of alarming was the fact that, yes, Detroit's D is ranked the worst in the league. They have been playing a lot better as of late, but they got a lot of pressure on Josh Allen. and the They did. The Detroit Lions um, defensive front, outside of, of course, Aiden Hutchinson, I mean, they, they, they... they're young throughout the year. They have not done a great job at all of getting after the quarterback. They did do a really good job of getting uh, pressure on Josh Allen in that game. That yeah. to me stood out a bit 
that's been happening a lot lately, but to the benefit of the bills, I think a lot of times when they did get in on him, who else but Allen is better at navigating out of that pocket and running. And he did an extraordinary job of doing that throughout the game. So it does yeah. get supplemented to some extent, but I think it does hurt the overall pass game. Now I'm sure you heard this oh, it does. on Diggs, Rev. Diggs came out and said that he thinks a bit of the struggles in the past game have been due to the fact that the bills are running the ball a lot better. And it's kind of, I don't know, it, it's removing a bit of the, the rhythm within the past game. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm not going to, I'm not going to question Diggs. He's the one out there, playing, yeah. right? He's the one in the offense. He would know better than all of us, I'm sure. But I, I just don't know how much I buy that when the bills threw the ball 42 times in that game. Yeah. It's I was about to say the same thing. Throw the ball. Yeah. So I don't know how your rhythm gets kind of turned on its head when you're still throwing a ton of passes. And I mean, Josh Allen on the day on, on those 42 attempts, only 24 completions. The thing that troubles me with the dig situation is he was targeted 15 times in that game, Reb, and he only caught eight balls, mm-hmm. a couple of uncharacteristic drops for him. We saw him fall down on one play. I just, yeah. I'm going to take Diggs' word for it because they have been running the ball better and they have won the last two games with the help of that run game. I just don't necessarily know if I'm buying that right now. How about you? Yeah, that's tough. I mean, when you, I mean, look at the numbers. I mean, Josh, like you said, slung it for 42 times. I mean, so um, the ball was going somewhere, right? 42 times um, uh, during the game. And so I think he was frustrated because he's not, it's not really coming to him like you thought it should have been, right? I mean, wow. I mean, when you, when you got the game, and I was saying the same thing earlier. That's, why, that's kind of why I was frustrated earlier. I'm like, you need to take advantage of this because they didn't have Jeff Okuda, the number one starting corner, right? And so I figured they're, they're going to take advantage of that. Diggs well, they surely have tried. Ridiculous I mean, he game. didn't have his best day, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah no, no, he really didn't. Right. And the guy who really stepped up, which is another – person I was going to mention was, was Isaiah McKenzie. Thank you. That was I mean, I mean, he, yeah, I mean, he had what, like the best uh, game of his, of, of, of the season. I yep. mean, what, what did he have? Like nine, what did he go? Like, like six receptions for 96 yards and a touchdown. Yep. And Just shy of hundred. He was yeah, Allen's he, safety valve all day, Rev. He, he really was. was. I had tweeted out several times throughout the, the game. I had just said, man, it really seems like he is carrying this bill's passing game to some extent right now. I mean, mm-hmm. he really was a major factor in that game. He got in the end zone again. I mean, you know, Isaiah McKenzie is racking up touchdowns this year, very quietly. I mean, this is a guy last year who had one all season. He's got a bunch of touchdowns this year. And I think as much as we've considered him to be a liability at times, I mean, you know how much I love him. Mm-hmm. I think that what he has brought to the team up until this point has outweighed some of the mistakes that we have seen. I think he has been, an adequate solution thus far. It just seems like the pass game is missing something. Of course. I mean, uh, thigh dog mentioned it earlier. It does seem like Gabe is just not a hundred percent Diggs is the yeah. main target on every drop back. And when that's not clicking, not everything in its totality in the past game is clicking, but I will, I will give credit here in saying, you know, this game it's Isaiah McKenzie who steps up last game. Mm-hmm. Dawson Knox. I do like to see the variety being splashed in there instead of, of course, it just being Diggs and Davis leading the way. Uh, but you know, yeah, it's odd to me sometimes. You got Knox going off last week, and now he's only getting two catches in this game. Yeah, speaking we're, of we're, a lack of, you know, a lack of involvement, I just once again don't understand 
how James Cook has the day he does against the Browns and you only give him two carries. And I just don't quite understand Naheem Hines, one carry. I do not understand that signing at all. Those two things right there puzzle me every week as far as what exactly the game plan is every single time they touch the field with these running backs. I just don't quite. It still makes no sense, honestly. I mean, um, and and this this is where I think they they may get in their heads a little too much. Like, like um, they, they think too much or too hard or, you know what I mean? Like these guys who are just real, real super smart. I think they just get a little too smart for their own good at times. It's like, you know, don't break, you know, why, why fix it if, if it's not, if it ain't broke, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. like you, you look, you look at what they did against the Browns, um, a great balanced uh, performance, right? Yes. I mean, you've got, you, you had, you had motor and, and cook, you know, um, uh, rushing for 86 yards together. This game, it seemed like they leaned more on motor, on motor and Josh, um, and then you know, Cook didn't do anything, and 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 again, Naheem Hines, is, and and I'm like, you mean you can't tell me that you can't figure out a way to get Naheem Hines involved in the well, offense? Of course they can. They're just not, and that to me is what's the biggest puzzler here. I just don't yeah. understand why you why you got him. I, he's great at returning the kicks. I mean, he is a bolt of lightning when he gets the ball in his hands. I'm Absolutely. But Rev, I think they've given him the ball twice now since they've signed him on offense. Yeah, and you and you figure, I mean, when you look at you look at his speed, right? Just 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 the the element that he brings in 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 special teams, you figure, okay, I've got to get this guy on the field somehow, some way on offense, even if it's in that 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 old Isaiah McKenzie role where you use him in jet sweeps and you use him in these in rounds and get the ball in his hands quickly in these these real quick screen games so that way he can utilize his speed um, on the edge. They're just not doing it. And I'm not too sure, you know, what the problem is. I don't know if it's if it's just um, Dorsey is still going through some groin pains and figuring out how he can utilize these weapons. But you would figure him being in that offense for what? How many years now? He would have he would have had an idea. But um, it's it's just different, man. It, it, and I, it's just puzzling. I don't get it. Um, I'm sure Brandon Bean is probably scratching his head too. Like I I I I I spent assets getting guys like a. Uh, like like Naheem Hines and Dee Marlowe also back to the team, and they're not playing at all. It confuses me because it's not like it's rocket science to get the ball in the hand of a running back. It's not – I mean, we've seen – No. I know it might be apples to oranges just based on the talent level, but you see San Francisco bring um, Christian McCaffrey in, and then all of a sudden the offense, for, for the most part, is revolved around him. And you mean to tell me – Naheem Hines can't get more than a carry in a game. That to me is just puzzling. I just don't quite understand what the the motive was behind the move. Um, but and the other thing that I think kind of speaks to that point is you see the day that James Cook had against Cleveland. Yes. And you just give him two carries. And I think what you said is accurate. You know, you give Josh Allen the bulk of those carries that maybe James Cook would have had, but there's no there's no cohesion there. Every yeah, week none. seems to be different, and that to me, I think, is what's kind of got everybody confused. Let's talk about Dorsey for a quick second here, because everybody's got something to say about him. And I think one of the things that I I find to be uh, maybe the most polarizing take when it comes to him is a lot of Josh Allen's errors are being blamed on him. A lot of people are saying that it's coaching that is affecting Josh Allen's decision making. That to me is something I don't necessarily buy into. Dorsey's not the one that is having Josh Allen throw certain passes the way he does. Do I think that it has affected it to some degree? Perhaps, but I don't necessarily know. No, no matter what your, your, your take is on Dorsey, I don't necessarily know if it's fair to go, to go to that argument when it comes to whether or not you think he's the guy. Well, 
I think he deserves some blame. I um, totally I, agree. You but know, I see um, a lot of people saying that the the Josh Allen regression over the last couple of weeks has a lot more to do with coaching than anything else. Looks like Rev cut out a little bit there. I mean, look at when I when I'm thinking of Dorsey. Overall, this year, you take a look at his body of work, and I don't necessarily know if it screams inadequate. I don't necessarily know if it screams genius either. You got to remember, this is the guy's first year on the job. Now, I think takes like what Tank Bulldog's coming here and saying. He's saying, I think Dorsey is way too predictable. Well, that's also something that a lot of people were saying about Brian Dable a year ago, the predictability. I remember a lot of takes to that point about uh, the run game. Rev, I'm just talking about real quick. Uh, somebody uh, Tank came in here and said that Dorsey's predictable. But I think we a lot of people were saying that about Dable last year when it came to the run game too. We got to remember yeah, this yeah. is the first year. And there's going to be growing pains. What I'm specifically honing in on, because I have seen things from Dorsey that are a bit puzzling, including the usage of the running backs. What mm-hmm. I'm honing in on here is, do you think it's fair to kind of chalk up the, the last several weeks of Allen that where the play hasn't been nearly to the caliber in which we know it can be from him? I mean, are we not going to give Dorsey then the credit for how great it was in the beginning of the year? I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, right. All of a sudden it just falls off. Yeah, no, no. Um, Allen deserves a lot of the blame, a lot of it. Um, these past, I mean, since the bye week, right? I mean, he's 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 been bad at, at times, um, um, uncharacteristically bad. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, you, you can't you can't you can't blame Dorsey for for Josh's decision making, especially in the red zone at times. You know, that's not on Dorsey. Um, now, now, where I will say that Dorsey could, I mean, you can probably kind of you know question some of his decision making uh, from a play calling standpoint is in the red zone at times. Um, when you look at their their percentage, um, like like I think last year they were yeah, the Bills bad. ended up f- finishing finishing the league uh, first in red zone. Red zone's a real problem right now. Yeah, yeah, they were first in the league last year, uh, number one in red zone scoring, red zone scoring with touchdowns only, not field goals. This year, I think before this game um, uh, against the Lions, I think they were like 18th or 19th or something like that. They're very bad. So I mean, huge discrepancy there um, in red zone scoring, and so. Maybe you switch up. Maybe you 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 bring some more variety into the play calling in the red zone um, to get these guys uh, to get. I guess to, to create some sort of a spark and get. And I guess that's, that's what you used to see Dable with some some more creative uh, um, plays. I agree. In there the red zone last year. So I, I think right there, if if they can correct that, and obviously you know right, we got to clean up clean up the turnovers, right? And then that falls on the back of Josh Allen um, off, off the top. But then once you get in the red zone, that's that's it. if they can convert those red zone opportunities into touchdowns instead of field goals, this team will look markedly different and uh, probably looking back to as dominant as they were um, towards the first half of the season. You know, Ravens coming in here, he's saying, you know, and I think there's some there's some truth to this. There were, there have been a couple of interceptions where it seems like guys were out of place. Not all of them, though. I mean, this is the thing you got to look at it both sides. Like, yes, were there interceptions? I think even the one last week uh, against the the Lions, it was tipped up in the air. It seemed like mm-hmm. the route wasn't necessarily what Allen thought it was going to be. It results in an INT. But there were a couple of, of these interceptions, you know, off the bat, I can think of the two against the the Jets, the Jets. where it just yeah. seemed like that was completely Allen's decision making. So I think I mean, it, jo- Josh, even 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 Josh admitted to it. I mean, he, he said, look, yeah. you know, that, that first one, I think when he was targeting uh, Knox, he said he didn't he didn't see the defender that kind of peeled back and was in front of him. And then the other one when he threw it to, I think it was I think it may have been the sauce. I can't remember. But anyway, he's like, I had I just had a brain fart. Yeah. You know, so like like Josh is I mean, he's he's owning up to it and he's been making these mistakes. Even the the Green Bay Packers one, when he threw kind of like across his body and threw it mm-hmm. right to, you know, um, uh, was like a Jair Alexander. 
Like yeah. that's that's not Dorsey. That's not receivers not running their routes properly. That's Josh right there. Yeah. You know, I want to talk real quick about that because I think over the last few weeks, it's been a lot of, well, Allen's not been doing this, that, and this because we're so used to him doing this, that, and this. The crazy thing to me, Rev, and we talked about this a little bit after the game uh, through the group chat, it is miraculous to me. And I think it is to you as well and to a lot of people. It is miraculous to me. I mean, for starters, you look at the stats that he had. He had three overall touchdowns, well over 300 all-purpose yards. That, to me, it's miraculous in itself that that stat line is just a very mediocre performance for Allen. That, to me, is the one silver lining out of anything that you can look at when it comes to his play. The fact that we are all kind of like, nah, you know, we've seen better, and he's putting up those numbers just goes to show you the type of guy we have. But the bigger thing I want to focus on here is you watch that game, and as much as you love Josh Allen, you watch that game, and it was very meh a lot. There was also a lot of damn. But the thing that blows my mind is no matter what kind of game he's having, whether it's top-notch all throughout or it's wishy-washy or it's just not good, you can rely on him in the last series mm-hmm. to at least give you a chance. I know that in the, yeah. this current season, we've seen the pick against uh, the Jets late in the game. We saw the pick in overtime against Minnesota. But they still got down there because of Allen. Now, those mistakes did cost them the game, but you have to wonder if they even get there without him. This last game, Rev, I don't yeah. think we're talking about this enough. The, the, the throw to Diggs, we're talking 53 seconds Huge. or so left, and you're not even necessarily worried. We're talking one snap into that drive. Go back and watch that play from the all-22 angle. Diggs has two D-backs right on him. Yeah. Allen, on the first snap of that drive, throws that ball probably 60 miles an hour, and the ball arrives in Diggs' hands almost simultaneously to when the D-back arrives. And within one play on one ball, they're in field goal range. Yeah, It's crazy to me that no matter what happens throughout the course of the game, he will still make plays like that at the end almost, like, it, almost without a doubt. And it doesn't matter yeah. what the hell has gone on with him previ- the previous 58 minutes or so. Yeah, that, I mean, that just lets you know how clutch Josh is. Yes. And, and how... Um, he and and really the offense um, and certain guys on the offense can just just click, you know, when it's time, when it's go time. Like, all right, we need to go. We need to get in the end zone. We need to score. We need to get in position to win this game. They can they can flip it, at, uh, you know, on a switch. So that that's that's great. That's what you want. You want a guy who's a, who's a closer, a finisher, um, captain, clutch, whatever you want to call him. Um, my thing is, man, I wish they were more like that throughout throughout the, the game it's funny you know it's so funny that uh, we were talking about that i was listening to cowherd earlier he has sean payton on on mondays and they were kind of talking about because yesterday right tre- trevor lawrence did the same thing unbelievable yeah. final drive for trevor lawrence Huge. against the uh the ravens and cowherd was talking to sean payton about how he's able to just do stuff like that in the final minute or so and it's not necessarily there throughout the whole game and sean payton was just kind of saying how even though it might not be noticeable to us watching in the moment, that particular situation, it's like everything else is out the door from what was going on earlier in the game on both sides. So I guess it's just something that you can't replicate. You'd have to run, you know, you'd basically have to run the K gun offense. And Sean Payton was saying, if you do that, if you run, uh, you know, an extraordinary amount of uh, of additional plays on offense in like a fast-paced environment. Uh-huh. Yeah, it puts your defense at a disadvantage, all these different things. I don't necessarily know. All I do know is you're right. If, if we could get 
that guns because because to me the other thing too is they don't necessarily tempt downfield like they used to unless yeah. they are in the two minute drill. Yes. And we've seen it. I mean, even though the 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 Davis catch shouldn't have counted against uh was it the Jets yeah. or the Vikings? Uh I think it was the Vikings. I think you're right. It was the Vikings, uh, yeah, regulation. Still, they took the chance. D- Davis was wide open, they did count it. You got mm-hmm. the throw to Diggs uh in this game. We saw the throw that Allen made against the Chiefs before the half there, backed up in their own red zone. Extraordinary drive there. So yeah. it's just incredible what they do in these moments. You do wonder at times, hey, how do we replicate that throughout the rest of the yeah. game? You know, I feel like we've had this conversation before last year at some point. When we were like, yo, can, can we like speed things up, run the no huddle a little bit? But I was I was having that idea, and I think I, I, even, I even posted it on Twitter. I was like, man. If the Bills are able to replicate this two-minute drill offense when they when it's go time and they can snap, if they can if they can package that a little bit throughout the game, yeah, um, and, and run some no huddle throughout the game, not not necessarily change their entire offense to where they're just a no huddle game uh, offense, but at times just change the pace, change the tempo to kind of help, I guess, give an offense a jolt. Um, I wonder what that would do. Maybe that could be the fix. Um, then a good a good a good uh, a good friend of mine, a man Silas Whittle, he he jumps in. He was like, "Yo, um, you can do that, but." Um, defenses play the play you differently in those two minute situations, and so even if you do a no huddle throughout the game, they're not going to play the same way they would in that two minute situation. So yeah. I mean, it it, it makes I mean it makes sense all around, but I do think that they should switch it up at times. I don't know, something needs to happen, um, but uh, I, I believe that they that they that they're definitely going to figure it out um, here going forward. A bit of a topsy turvy game, but a lot of props to give out in that game. Uh, the defense. I think in, in, in different circumstances really stepped up once again, even though they are seeming seemingly allowing the wide receiver one from the opponent to dominate. And I think that has a lot to do mm. without banged up the secondary. Yeah. You can't tell me otherwise. Um, they once again, shut down a really solid defensive or a really solid rush game. Rush I mean, game, compared yeah. to their standards uh, under a hundred yards for Jamal at Williams and Deandre Swift combined Swift only had five carries in the game. I know he's coming off an injury, but I figured he would have gotten a little bit more of a workload, mm-hmm. but still, once again, they, they shut down the Cleveland run game. They did a really good job in this game. I felt against Jamal Williams and Deandre Swift who have been terrorizing defenses over the last several weeks. Um, they yeah. got a safety in this game, which wound up being a huge factor mm-hmm. in the final outcome. And then overall, my biggest tip of the cap over the last two weeks, a guy we're not talking nearly enough about, probably because we don't want to, because we don't want to be settling for these situations. But guys, Tyler Bass right now is about as good as good as it gets in the league. I, I understand he missed an mm-hmm. extra point. If you watched any games yesterday while the Bills were off and you watched any of those games yesterday, how many extra points did you see miss? It's not like it's routine like it used to be. Right. We all know this. He had made what 150 in a row prior to missing that. And when did he make his kicks against thing uh, against Detroit when it mattered, or when they needed they needed it the most? That's yeah. when he made them. And he made right. six of six field goals against the Cleveland Browns the week before. Just an unbelievable amount of credit to Tyler Bass, especially mm-hmm. making the kick in the situation where they needed it the most at the end to win. Um, look at the Bills. Kind of they kind of escaped out of that one. Detroit misses. They really did a chip shot. <laughs> Field goal. There was just situations throughout that game where it felt like the Bills just didn't necessarily deserve it. But I like what you said earlier. They found a way, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't find a way against Miami earlier in the year. They didn't find a way against the Jets. This game could have easily been a loss, Rev. The fact that it was, oh, yeah. got to give a lot of credit to the little things that were done, despite all the things that you could look at in this game that you didn't love. You, you look at that Diggs pass on the final drive. You look at Tyler Bass being clutch. You look at Isaiah McKenzie stepping up. You look at them kind of suppressing the run game. 
These things throughout the totality of the game might not have stood out, but when you look at the culmination of the final score, it all kind of came together. Yeah. Um, and that's where we move forward here, Rev. We got three unbelievably big games coming up. Yeah. Huge. And the way I look at these upcoming three games, uh, and this is really for all these games remaining here, they are necessarily, to some extent, playoffs, playoff-type games. Every win or loss is going to dramatically affect not only their seeding, but ultimately the ability to win this division. You have mm-hmm. three straight AFC East games remaining. The Bills sitting at eight and three have played. They played eleven games with uh, with five, or excuse me, with six remaining. Four of those six are AFC East games. Yeah. This is essentially. A, a round robin tournament, so to speak, to end the yeah. year here for the division. That is what the Bills are entering into. And it starts here Thursday night. This Patriots team, similar to last year, Rev, it's just a team that it is so hard to figure out what you are going to get on a week in and week out basis. They never seem to have any consistency. One week, right, they get absolutely torched by the uh, the Chicago Bears. Where the hell did that come from? And mm-hmm. then Minnesota they were just as good as Minnesota throughout that they entire very game. good sensibly. Yeah. And Mac Jones looked phenomenal. That was probably the best game I have ever seen Mac Jones play. And I understand it was in a losing effort, but I'll tell you what, man, if he shows up like that on Thursday night, the bills are in for a shootout. I, 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 I tweeted this out during the game. And of course I got some heat because people, I think they, they took it the wrong way. I said, is Mac Jones right now in this game looking better and Mac Jones and the Patriots are looking better than, than the Bills have been um, uh, uh, recently. Because in, in this particular game, just I'm just talking about that game that they played against the Vikings. They looked very good. And, and they looked better than what the Bills have, have been putting out on the field. And so I was like, man, um, yeah, if this Mac is – Jones threw for a 72% completion percentage, just shy of 400 yards and two yes, scores in that game. Yeah. Without, you have no reason to suppress yourself in saying that that pass game was leaps and bounds better than Buffalo's. I'm thinking it, it, it absolutely was. It was. It, it really was. And, and, and so it lets me know what they can do. Um, the question is, um, you know, are they, will they be able to do it against the Bills? Will they able be able to be as consistent um, against the Bills defense? Um, and that remains to be seen. But it, nevertheless, you know the potential that they have there. And so you you have to as a, as a, as a as a Bills team you have to make sure you prepare for that you can't take this 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 team lightly and think um, and have like just just think oh well look what we did to these guys in the playoffs last year and just walk into this game thinking that you're just going to absolutely obliterate them like you did in the playoffs that would be a huge mistake um, especially when you look at the way this team now the Bills have been playing of late. It's not the same team as 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 they were last year, especially in the playoffs. I mean, it's 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 a, it's a fact, and so. Um, these the, this team, this Bills, man, they better come ready. Um, I'm not afraid of the Patriots at all. I'm not concerned with them at, at all. But what I am saying is, is they they do pose a certain, um, uh, I guess, a certain matchups that we have to be careful with, especially as banged up as our defense has been lately. Um, um, you don't want to you don't want to sleep on them and, and find yourself in a hole um, going into Foxborough because, man, you don't want to have to dig out of an 0-3 deficit in the division. That was probably Mac Jones' best game of his career, at least probably the best I've seen now. It it looked like it, huh? Yeah. Josh Allen put up some of his highest numbers against the Vikings defense, too. They have struggled against the pass. It it was set up for Mac Jones to take advantage of, but, hey, he did take advantage of it. We're not used to seeing Mac Jones put up nearly 400 yards. I don't expect to see that against Buffalo, but the way that they have been defending the pass as of late, did you expect Jacoby Brissett to have the day that he had? 
The answer no, is no. Not so it's on the not table to some extent. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, especially when you when you when you consider the way that like the the, the secondary has been playing. The secondary, when, I, when I'm talking about the cornerbacks, mainly Dane Jackson and and the likes, right? I mean, we got Trey White coming back, but you know what I'm saying he's still going to be on a pitch count, and so Dane Jackson has been getting just torched. Now, granted, um, he's not going to be facing a passing attack or any wide receivers to the degree or to the level of the guys that he's been facing the past few weeks and Amon Ross and Brown and Justin Jefferson and, 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 um, you know, um, Amari Cooper. Um, but it is going to be some, some challenges, right? Jacoby Myers, um, Devontae Parker, um, is a capable wide receiver, bigger body wide receiver. So who, who's, who's given the bills fits at times, even Trey white sometimes, you know? Um, so they still need to keep their head on a swivel and not just walk into this game thinking that they're going to just, just, just completely just wax them. Um, but I am looking at that particular matchup, just the cornerback position. If, if Trey white can come back and play, um, and, and really, um, elevate his game more than what we've been seeing out out of the other guys i think that helps us in the passing game it makes us more comfortable and then our defensive line can really get after the quarterback and get after mac jones hopefully ed oliver can have a good game we can get grouped back a little bit um and things can kind of get to rolling the way that we've seen them uh roll here before in the past Ramondre stevenson i mean he's not a world beater by any means but he's had some decent games this season he's also a big threat in the past game so that's something to look out yeah. for too mac jones uses him a lot uh, as a safety valve. You know, you look ahead at this game, Vegas looks at this game as one that's supposed to be a lot closer than they have anticipated over the last two weeks. The Bills were heavy favorites against Cleveland. They were about 10-point favorites against the uh, the Lions. They go into the Patriots game as five-point favorites. So the betting odds are a bit narrower than we've, uh, we've seen recently out of the Bills against their opponents. So that is uh, an interesting way to look at things, I guess. I mean, it is in... Uh, New England, of course, and it is a primetime game. So I think that factors into it. Of course, it's also a divisional game. It's the first time the Bills have seen the Patriots this year. The last time that we played the Patriots, we all know what happened. It was the Bills' perfect game, mm -hmm. right? It couldn't have been better. That, to me, is something that has to be on the mind of Bill Belichick, the New England Patriots, and, of course, Mac Jones. Mac Jones had perhaps his worst game of his career against the Bills in that playoff game. That was the worst loss that Belichick maybe has had in his career. They have a gigantic chip on their shoulder going into this game, not only because they're fighting for their playoff lives, but the last time they saw this Bills team, they flat out embarrassed them. So the Bills are going to get their best crack. They are definitely going to get the best of the New England Patriots, but it starts on Thursday. I don't care what yeah. we saw before the bye. I don't care what we've seen recently here. Uh, pre-buy Peyton Man or uh, post-buy Peyton Manning always used to say this he said there's three different types of games in the NFL there's regular season games there's playoff games and there's divisional games these yeah. games are completely different no matter who you're facing they always seem to be a bit tougher they always seem to be a bit closer and you always seem seem to see things that you don't necessarily see out of either team in other games and that of course is true I mean that is just mm -hmm. the way it goes you face these teams twice a year Hell, a lot of the times these teams draft just to be able to compete with you. So this is really kind of entering into a whole new type of, of uh, a season here in the month of December, ref. Because almost the yeah. entirety of this month, outside of a late game in the month against the Chicago Bears, almost the entirety of this month is dedicated to the AFC East. If the Bills go off this coming month, I mean, it, it just absolutely flips the entire season on its head one way or the other that's how crucial this is and they go into this yeah. game Rev, miraculously 
eight and three without a win in their division. That, of course, is because they still have four to, four to play. But the only two that they have played around, they've lost. They have got to right. get on track, and it starts Thursday night. Yeah, they they have to get this game. They have they have to. They're, I mean, there's no there's no there's no two ways about it, right? I mean, you're looking at them zero and two in the division. I mean, they haven't played. They have, they, I don't think. When's the last time they've actually waited this long before they've even played the Patriots? It's been a long time, but but I, I um, the schedule the way it is, I can't remember any any time recently where it's been this backloaded. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy. Um, but again, I mean, it's like the NFL schedule makers knew what they were doing, and these games now matter. Um, at the end of the season, and who would have thought that going into the season, who would have thought that that the AFC East would be this close and this tight and this really good compared to the rest of the uh, the AFC? Um, but nevertheless, I mean, here we are. I mean, this just goes to show you just the parody of the league, right? Um, but but yeah. the Bills have. I mean, they 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 have it, man. I mean, they they have to come with it this game. Um, and and you hate to have to look down the road, right? Um, beyond the Patriots. Um, but it's hard not to when you got three back when you got back to back to back AFC East divisional games. Um, and so, I mean, every game is is huge. I mean, and and you're gonna see it. And this is what I'm this is what I'm I'm interested in seeing about this because we've seen we've seen Zach, we've seen I almost said Zach we we've seen we've seen Josh um, the past few games. You know, just kind of feeling the pressure, right, um, to perform and really, really, really uh, uh, do too much at times and not really rely on other guys. I wonder if Josh is gonna be that pressurized or if he's going to be more level-headed considering the fact that now the pressure is really on to win these games, but is he going to try to do too much or is he going to uh, lean on his other guys to help him out and not feel like he has to be Superman um, every week? So that's something I'm looking forward to. I hope he's, excuse me, able to find some balance and other guys are able to step up so that way Josh doesn't have to feel like he has to do it all himself. And it's a good opportunity to do it because if you wind up going that route against Belichick, he will burn you for it. That is the key. And the, the, this yeah. Patriots D is not like the one the Bills witnessed um, in Orchard Park right. in the playoffs last year. I mean, they are playing some of the best defense in the league currently. Um, and you mix that with an offense that's more than serviceable. This game, in my opinion, is very much going to be a dogfight. I am very, very intrigued to see. In, in an opportunity where Josh Allen tends to thrive, right? A prime time spot. This is this mm. is where he usually shines, right? And you're yeah. kicking off this, this gauntlet. I mean, I keep saying it, but that's what it is. I mean, when do you play three straight divisional games? It's like an anomaly. I can't even remember the last time I've seen this. Right. It's truly unique. And it's even more unique when you look at the current position the Bills are in within the division. And then when you look at the division in its entirety, I mean, it's so close so much closer than anybody would have ever have guessed before the season. You can make a really good argument that right now the AFC East is the toughest division. In oh, the yeah, league. without a doubt. It really is in the AFC. Yeah. The NFC East might be a, a close second. But both Easts are very shocking this year. And in the AFC East, I don't, think there's, I don't think there's a more shocking division, maybe outside of the AFC West in a bad way. In a good way, though, the AFC East, it could not be more shocking. You have you know three games coming up here to really flip everything on its head compared to what we've seen previously from the bills against the AFC East earlier on in the year. So Rev, let's talk hypothetically before we close up shop here, we got three games going on in December here, all AFC East games. W what's got you satisfied realistically coming out of these three games, moving forward towards the playoffs, but also just kind of looking at how the bills compete against these three teams. I mean, we have to, we have to go three and zero. Like, like there's, there's no two ways about it. Like there's, we can't go one and two. We can't go two and one. No, 
Three and zero. If we want to secure the East, we have to sweep the rest of these games. It's it's a must. That that's that's how serious it is. I think it's it's very realistic that we can do it, um, especially um, you know uh, getting the Dolphins back in our in our our field, you know, in Buffalo, and same with the Jets. I think that we can win all three of these games, um, especially if we're able to get healthy on the defensive side of the ball, right? And 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 Josh and the offense are able to fix some of these 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 minor issues here, especially like in the red zone and stuff like that. I think the Bills have every chance. I mean, every shot really uh, to to come out of here three and zero. That's my expectations. Um, I, and I don't want to I don't want to lower them just because of the fact that they're zero and two in the division. So like they have no other choice but to go three and zero. And a key point, right? If they lose to anybody but the Patriots over these these three games, that means at least one of these teams sweeps them. And one, I mean, that's yeah. something you you never would have anticipated. No. No, no, ne- never, ne- never in a million years. I mean, even at the onset of the of the, of the season, there, I would have never guessed that we'd be here in this position right now. But here we are, and so they have to win every last one of these games against the division. Mike's coming in. He got, he's saying you guys are putting too much emphasis on division losses. That only matters as a tiebreaker. It doesn't matter if you finish with more wins. Tough to finish with more wins, Mike, when four of your remaining six games are in the division. So it, it most certainly matters. Yeah, and we're talking about playoff seating here too as well. Yeah, you know because it's so, very likely that all four of these teams could make the playoffs when it's all said yeah. and done. So they, yeah. these these games are just beyond massive. So, so what, are, what are the Bills with the five seed right now, right? Bills currently sit as the five seed. As we went through yeah. earlier, I mean, you win. Here's how I see it, right? You got the Jets playing the Vikings. You got the Dolphins playing the 49ers. Mm-hmm. I anticipate at least one of those two teams drop those one of those games. Yeah. Maybe not both. I'd be I'd be really shocked to see the Jets beat the Vikings and the Dolphins beat the Niners. If that happens, I mean, folks, we got a real, real competition down to the end of the wire. Right. And then, of course, somebody's got to win the Bills Patriots game unless they decide to take a knee in overtime and, and call it quits. So, yeah, there's just going to be so much playing out this weekend. Not only do the Bills and Patriots kick it off interdivision, but the other two opponents that are right behind the Bills or in front of the Bills, like the Dolphins are currently, have two of their tougher games of the year this coming weekend. So as far as December is concerned, starting off this month, that's going to be very difficult and very crucial for the Bills. It doesn't get better than what we're going to see early on this coming week. And with the schedules that those other three teams have, mm-hmm. if the Bills win on Thursday, they control their own destiny within the division. 100%. It starts right. Thursday. If they win out in the division, they are division champions unless they somehow find a way to lose to Chicago and Cincinnati, and then they wind up having a worse record than Miami. Things can get weird. But more, more than likely, you know, it, it, the ball's in their court. I mean, it, it, hell, they could win out if they wanted to. If they win Thursday and they win out, you're winning the division. And then right. with the schedule that the, the Chiefs have, we know they've had their struggles with Cincinnati. They just lost to them last year. In the AFC Championship, they lost to him during the regular season. That's going to be one hell of a game. I expect Jamar Chase to be back. He was supposed to. It was there was rumors he'd be back this past week. He actually, I'm not even sure if he played or not. I don't think he did. Um, but he could be back for that Chiefs game. Either way, you can anticipate a really tough game there. So a lot is going to be unfolding within the this AFC. Is huge, man. so tight, Rev. I mean, go look at the standings. It is just yeah. so so tight. Just uh, two weeks ago, the the the. Bengals were a few games out. Now they're right in it. You know, right. The Patriots were in it last week. They're out of it now. I mean, it's just flip flopping and that's going to continue to happen over this next month. And let me, let me, let me touch on, on on Mike's point here about, about the division wins and losses. Look, let me show you just how close this is. I'm looking at the playoff machine here. All right. Um, This week, if the bills lose to the Patriots, 
All right. And let's just assume out of, out of the, the Dolphins. Okay. The Dolphins said the Dolphins lose to the, to the Niners. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and let's say the Jets happen to beat the Vikings. If just one of the other AFC East teams win, let's just say that the Jets beat the Vikings. Right. Mm-hmm. The Bills are not in the playoffs. They've got, they've got knocked out. Say that again. If the Bills lose to the Patriots, mm. the, and, and let's say the Dolphins lose to the Niners, but the Jets win to the Vikings, the Bills are out. Just like that. The Bills are out. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. You can, matter of fact, do you still I have a pull up? That. Do you still have a pulled up? Go ahead and pull I it do. up. Let's take a look. Yeah, yeah, take a look. So you go got the, the Dolphins. Go, yeah, go, go to week 13. All right, so, so the Patriots, Patriots win. So Patriots win. Patriots win. Dolphins, Dolphins lose. lose. Jets win. Jets win. Look, it's got the it's oh, got oh, seven, 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 seven seat. Seven seat. Okay. All right. Now, now go, go to next week. But you're just kind of sitting there. You're right. You're yeah. barely in. Go to go to and next week. And, let's, and let's say let's, let's say Mass. the Bills. I mean, let's say the Bills lose again. Right. I mean, I mean, come on. If, if you're if you're acting well, like, like, that like point, they don't deserve it. Oh. Yeah. I mean, if you if you're acting like like AFC East uh, division wins don't matter. I mean, if the Bills win, if the Bills lose, well, the reason 14, they matter the most is because it's it's basically their remaining schedule and it's still in its entirety. And they're zero and two. Yeah, and they're zero and two. Back here and see something real quick, um, because I'm interested to see if we go back and put it in the same thing that we had earlier. I'm interested to see what happens in the difference between what what happens in these other games outside of the Bills. So let's say that. Uh, Let's say that the Dolphins do end up winning that, and let's say the Chiefs win that. I don't think anything's going to change if that winds up happening. Let's just double check here. Okay, yeah. So if if the if the no matter what happens, if the Bills win and the Dolphins go on to win or whatever, basically they could still remain in the fifth seed. Right. But if they don't win, right, then it just it, it'll it'll wind up changing. It could wind up changing everything depending on all the all these other outcomes go down. I mean, if you wind up getting a Jets win here, like Rev said, I mean you're dropping you're dropping a seed at least, right? So yeah. these games are critical, and it just so happens to happen at the exact same time when that, the Jets and the Dolphins are playing their tougher games of the year. I mean, it's an yes. extraordinary lineup. And that's just this week. That's that's not that's not looking forward to to the next week, you know, or or you know the the next you know two three weeks yeah. down the road. I mean, so. Yeah, these games for the Bills, they matter. They matter more than any that than you can imagine. I mean, that's how big they are. And, and maybe they wouldn't have been that maybe maybe they wouldn't have this much weight had the Bills have handled business earlier in the year and wouldn't be looking 0 and 2 in the division right now. But yeah. the fact that they dug themselves in this hole, yeah, it, it, it matters tremendously for them. Taking another look here. So just just double checking. Um Just to make sure we know who we're rooting for this week, not that it wasn't obvious enough already. Um, obvious. So if the Bills win, they can be the one seed, even if the Titans win. That doesn't matter because the Bills have the tiebreaker. So this game doesn't necessarily matter. The games that you're rooting for, obviously, this is all predicated on the Bills winning, right? The okay, games that you're rooting for, if the Dolphins win and the Bills win, we know the, that Miami retains the one seed because they're already there. Mm-hmm. But if the Jets win, it doesn't really matter. So what you're rooting for this week, and I, I, I just I anticipate a Jets loss to the Vikings, but hey, who the hell knows, man? Yeah. But what you're really rooting for this week, of course, is the Bills win. And then you're going to be a gigantic 49ers fan and a gigantic Bengals fan. Yeah. Those three scenarios right there propel your Bills to the one seed, and then the rest do is it, in there. Do it, do it, do it, just for me. Do it, do a Bengals Chiefs tie. That's, that's never going to happen. But what, what is that? Is that changing the thing? 
Look at that. KC remains with the one seed. Bills <laughs> bumped to two. Yeah. And I got to tell you, a wild card against the Cincinnati Bengals would not be the uh, an ideal fate. Not with them getting Jamar Chase back here, too, either, right now. Essentially, once you're done wearing your Bills jersey on Thursday night, get ready to put on your McCaffrey jersey and your Burrow jersey <laughs> on Sunday, and we'll be, we'll be well on our way. Um, but oh, man. Yeah. I got to tell you, Rev, I don't think it took until today for me and to, to understand, or it took until today for me to understand just how couple things one how incredible the slate of football is this week and how mm. and how absolutely massive it is as far as um the end game is concerned here for for everybody involved man it, it is huge man so buckle up uh I'm, I'm excited i'm i'm definitely excited about it um i can't wait um this is this is um i guess i mean this this is what you want i mean you want you want to to be able to, to control your own destiny right not have to worry about other teams doing this and that i mean the bills are right where they should be and they everything else is, is right in front of them. If they handle business against the Patriots, then we can go on next week and we can, you know, see how that goes. Um, and so, uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. I think the Bills have a great chance ahead of them to, to go ahead and knock the Patriots off. Um, yeah. A statement win. It may not be a huge, um, you know, win if they do win. I mean, I mean, five what five or five and a half with what the spread is, man. It it's, it seems like it's, it could be we could be in for another nail biter. And it's crazy too when you look ahead at week fourteen, just for the fun of it. I mean, if you go ahead and take a look here at the at the kind of the gap the Bills can create, because if they beat the Patriots, they're already in last place as it is. So yeah. if they beat the Patriots, then they have the opportunity to then knock the Jets down a peg. And then look at this is not an easy game for the Dolphins against the the Chargers. Give everybody their best shot, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't an easy game here. So I mean. There is potential here if the Dolphins kind of go on a little skid because as of late they've been playing some easier opponents. I don't. Have to, I would take the, the the Dolphins against the Chargers for sure, but that is a game where you know that is going to be perceived as a competitive game, as mm -hmm. I, I think it should be. So, and how about this, Rev? Just kind of based on me playing it here, the Dolphins could realistically go from right around the one seed to out of the playoffs depending on how things pan out over the next two weeks, as could the Bills. So as we're just kind of effing around here, you see just how crazy things yeah. A couple clicks of the button, the Bills go from the one seed to the seven seed to out of the playoffs. The Dolphins go from the one seed to out of the playoffs. So it's it, crazy, man. But this, this, this is just how big this cut these coming couple of weeks. It's are. huge, but this is what the NFL wanted. This is what they were hoping to get when they, when they made this schedule, they're hoping to get these meaningful games here towards the back end of the season. And uh, looks looks like they're getting it. I absolutely love it, and I absolutely love the fact that we just killed two hours on here with all you lovely people. We were nearly three hundred strong the whole night. Thigh Doc came in, took up a good chunk, filling us in on all we needed to know about the long list of injuries for the Bills. But hey, no excuses. I know the Patriots have some injuries on their side as well. A short week, and here's the beauty too about this Bills Patriots game Thursday night. With the injuries the Bills have, if you can go out and get the W, you got ten full days to rest up for the Jets and that yeah. I can't emphasize enough how much the Bills could utilize a couple additional days off. So a lot on the line Thursday night, then you get your breather and it's right back to AFC East ball. Rev, I know you're live tomorrow night. Tell the folks where they can find you for a little rated Rev on the Buffalo Fanatics Network tomorrow night. Yeah. So, um, wait a minute. Tomorrow, you mean wait, uh, Wednesday? I got my day screwed up. Oh my god! Yeah, wait, wait, is it already tomorrow? <laughs> I was tomorrow was Wednesday, so we only had to wait another two days for the uh, for the Bills game. Yeah, Wednesday yeah, yeah. Night. Let them know Wednesday where you're night. Yeah, man, you can find me right here, man, on Buffalo Fanatics YouTube uh, channel. I'll be here Wednesday night, rated Rev, eight thirty p.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
Um, and you know, looking forward to to I guess it'll be almost like a like a pregame. Um, yeah, you got a good slot. Thursday. That's perfect. Yeah, man. Yeah. So so uh, it's gonna be a huge game. Uh, make sure you follow me and uh, make sure you come out here and uh, and follow my man. Oh, we lost. Why? This is like the third time I've had Rev on where we lose him late at the show, late in the show. My man Jack coming in with the super chat as we close up shop. Nice show tonight, Zbot. Way to go, or nice show tonight. Way to go, Zbot. Way to go, you Jack for sticking in tonight. Really appreciate it. I uh, appreciate all you guys tuning in. Rev back in here for his closing thoughts. I, I don't know what's going. It's the second time my internet just popped out. Hey, that's all right. I'd rather you have it pop out now than any other time during the show. Uh, make sure to watch Rev on Wednesday night. And thank you so much for coming on tonight, bro. That's always a pleasure. We have oh, yeah, man, anytime, baby. And I figured right now, what better time? Because we got. Yes. I, I'm just. I can't not emphasize how amped I am for this month of football. It's gonna be nuts. So it's I appreciate you coming on previewing it. I mean, anytime, brother. I'm glad. I'm glad you had me on, man. I appreciate you, brother, for uh, for giving me the little therapy session. Um, because I needed it, dude. Because I was out there, bro. I, I was out there. I was drowning. I was on the edge. I, I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't quite as bad as I was last year. Yeah. You know, thinking the Bills weren't gonna make the playoffs, but man, I was like, oh, dude. You I know what, man? I needed it. I need to get myself some therapy too. And I have a five-hour drive back from where I was down with my girlfriend there, so I have a lot of time to reflect, think about stuff. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking about all the stuff I saw in that game, and I'm like, you know what? I just part of me just felt like, look, we 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 got to take it for what it is right now. We yeah. got so blessed earlier in the year. Let's dial it back, and then let's completely reassess over this next month. Because, yeah. like I said earlier, this is a whole new season. And we're stoked to share it with you. So Rev is on Wednesday night. Make sure to tune into Rico tomorrow. And then Thursday night, I'm sure we'll have a pregame show for you. And I'm looking forward to that, oh, too. Yeah. It's a big one on Thursday it's night. So maybe we'll see you then. You'll see Rev Wednesday yeah. night. You'll see me again, same place, same time. Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel, Smoke Break, next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Hopefully we're talking about a Bills win. Yes, sir. A Chiefs, a Chiefs loss, loss. And a Dolphins loss. Yes, Can't sir. Wait. As Come always, on. baby. Go Bills. Go Bills. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything from t-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets. And of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days, like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use Staple 20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20.